Hey, Insiders, it's Michael. Before we get to our episode, wanted to let you know that both of these segments were recorded live in the summer of 2020. Although some of the information may seem dated, we felt there was some extremely relevant evergreen content on recovery movements and periodization to make them worth releasing as a podcast. Thanks again for all the support, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Magid, live from my dad's kitchen in Palm Desert, California. I promise you guys, I will at some point go back to Los Angeles. With me you is 90. 90- <laughs> it's going to happen. It'll happen. At, it'll happen at some point. Um, you know, uh, things are things are moving in the right direction. A lot of positivity going on. I'm going to focus on the positivity. Speaking of positivity, with me, 99 World Cup winner Saskia Weber. I know. <laughs> that was sarcastic. Go ahead. No. <laughs> no, no, no. And no Omar Zini today, Pro GK Academy, but that's okay because we have a, we have a Mexican quota that we have to fill in every show. And uh, doing that today, <laughs> you know him as the lead TV analyst for Orlando City Soccer Club, also the goalkeeping director of MG1 Goalkeeper School down in Florida. We got Miguel Gallardo. What's up, dude? <laughs> Hey guys, how are you? It's, it's nice to see you guys. I don't think I can pronounce my name as good as you can. So uh, you are already winning. No, it, it's nice to have uh, to speak to you guys. And uh, obviously, anytime I get the opportunity to chat goalkeeping, which is my passion. I mean, I, I played goalkeeper for 12 years professionally. Uh, I can't say throughout my whole life because I became a goalkeeper because I was lazy and I didn't want to run. And it turned out I was decent at it. Um, uh, But I've been playing for a long time and I love the position, all the good, all the bad. So talking about it is always fun. So thanks for having me. Dude, no, of course, man. I mean, you know, I think one of the one of the really cool things about what you do for people who are not familiar um, with the with the analyst work um, for Orlando City is that you get to come across it from a different perspective as opposed to a lot of times where a TV analyst is a, is a, f- a former field player. You coming from as a goalkeeper, you almost have a different perspective, different point of view that you can share with the audience. Oh, yes. And I love that about it. And I think it's, look, it's a massive responsibility and I don't take it lightly. I, I study up. I, I continue to study the game as a goalkeeper. Throughout my time playing, I always studied the game. I tried to understand the game, saw the game for what it is, a game and try to uh, uh, become more effective. And sometimes being more effective uh, means you're not even touching the ball. It's how you organize your pieces defensively, offensively. So I've always been a lover of the game and a student of the game, and I continue to be that way right now. Um, you know, the platform that I do have as a goalkeeper is I finally get to defend goalkeepers that get megged or they get scored on on the first post. used to be a misconception, <laughs> like you guys know. Uh, that apparently every time the goalkeeper gets magged or there's a goal scored in the first post, it's automatically the goalkeeper's fault. So there is my opportunity to give back to the soccer, <laughs> uh, to the goalkeeper community, GK Union. Here we go. <laughs> Dude, I love that. I absolutely like, love it that, is man. our fault. <laughs> 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 well, it's not, kidding, hard, she's a harsh critic. From, from 20 yards away for sure is. <laughs> So that's just a straight up harsh critic when it comes to when it comes to all that. Um, by the way, uh, mutual mutual friends, um, uh, Karina LeBlanc. Uh, that's how I met her was through through Miguel actually in Orlando. 
Yeah, she she's awesome. She she JK, just had a she just had friend. a baby. Yeah, she just had a baby, right? And so no, she is fantastic. Let me tell you something. You come across people in your life that just radiate positivity and good vibes and just like I want to hang out with this person all the time. And and she's one of them. And oh, yeah. so it was it was awesome when I got to meet her. And uh, you know, it was after I followed her her work with uh within the World Cup um in, in France. So, I mean, I had, you know, kinds of questions for her and she was just so, uh, so resourceful, so uh, nice and so, and uh, it was, yeah, I mean, she's she just no, super, for a super very cool. long time. Yeah, she's super cool. Um, speaking of uh, super cool, well, so we got, we got this review that we have to read on the air. Miguel, usually when we have a big guest like yourself, we don't want to read a review up front, but uh, we, got, we got to share this one right here. Uh, this one goes, a must for all goalkeepers, five stars. Arguably one of the best, if not the best, platforms to gain incredible information on all aspects of goalkeeping. Thoughtful insights from fantastic hosts with countless guest speakers to come together and speak about the topic of goalkeeping. For any goalkeeper looking to improve their craft, this show is a must! Exclamation point. And this review comes from FC Cincinnati goalkeeper Bobby Edwards. So all right. FC <laughs> Bobby Edwards sent that review and I was like, oh man, dude, that, uh, that, that, that's, that's pretty awesome that, uh, that you, that you did that, man. He's like, but honestly, he's like, I had such a great time on the show. You know, I just wanted to stretch, you know, spread all, all the information to spread the love, um, about the goalkeeping position and what you guys are doing, uh, to everybody in MLS and stuff. So really big shout out to Bobby for that, man. Cause, uh, you know, that, that means a lot to us when, when people, you know, who are playing at the high level, you know, are, 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 you know, are enjoying what we're doing and, uh, and trying to give back just like us. Um, yeah. yeah. Speaking of giving back, let's, uh, let's go into the topic, guys. Here we go. So today's topic is the spin recovery move. Um, for those of you guys who are not familiar with the spin recovery move, uh, this is something that uh, Miguel is very familiar with uh, coming through the Tigres uh, Youth Academy, which is, I think, considered one of the best youth academies in the world, right? Sure, you can say that. I mean, they have... <laughs> Monterrey is, is, a, is a hub of, I mean, many, many talented players and even uh, players from around the country will go to the academy to not go. They get scouted to go to the academy because it's all free. It's all, it's all paid by the club. And uh, players are getting paid at the age of 15 years old uh, to, to be part of the product. Now, of course, you know, they start with about 300 kids in the lower levels. And then by the time it trickles up, to the, the pyramid, you might end up with, you know, four or five playing in the first team. But of course, I mean, that's, that's the business, right? You, you know, you invest, you invest and hopefully some of those players turn into superstars and, you know, and a lot of them have, they're regularly, you know, pumping out big name players, big stars that eventually make contributions for the national team and then make that, that money back to the club. And that's where they continue to pump it in. So what you're saying is that you learned a little bit about goalkeeping there. Just, just I will say this though. So here, here is here's the here's the truth. I didn't actually go to the academy there. I, I grew. I played in. I played in Mexico, of course, where I was born. I wasn't born in Monterrey. I actually grew up. Um, I started being a goalkeeper in the U. Well, not in the U.S. So I started in Mexico, but I didn't do any sort of goalkeeper training when I was in Mexico. When I went to Tigres, was already as a pro. So oh, okay. I didn't do the academy there. So, but uh, that being said, my, the way my career started was, uh, was very, very different from everybody. Uh, and I didn't go through an academy. I didn't go through a system. 
Um, you know, my family moved to the to, to America when I was about 14 or 15. I had been a state level goalkeeper back in my hometown. I had just become a goalkeeper two years two years prior to that. Again, because I was lazy, didn't want to run. I'd off, I was offered an opportunity to not have to run before training. Turned out I had some natural abilities uh, to be a goalkeeper, and then continued to develop that. Even when I moved to the U.S., I wasn't even my high school goalkeeper. I was um, uh, I was a field player. And then I became the goalkeeper uh, my varsity year, my two last years, because, you know, the, I was a freshman, sophomore. The varsity keeper was very, very good. He retired. He, I mean, he went to college. And then I became I, – I, I really hope kept, he retired because he saw you playing and he's like, you know right, what, I can't, what I, I can't have no <laughs> chance. He said no <laughs> chance. And so I played my soccer here in, here in America. It wasn't until I was older, 23, 24, I think, that I went back to Mexico for a tryout, so to speak, and that's when I got my first professional contract uh, with Tigres. I did train with the academy keepers. That was the very first time that I saw the spin move. And uh, I was very intrigued by it. And uh, I had to learn it. And, but that's actually, uh, you know, that's actually the first time I saw it. I didn't really have regularly goalkeeper training as a youth soccer player. I had to catch up. I had to um, uh, really do a lot of work to kind of even out um, my technical abilities compared to the goalkeepers that I was playing against and with, you know, what I did have was a great, was, was good reactions. I was great with my feet. Modesty aside, that was kind of my MO as a player. Um, uh, great, you know, natural reactions, a good ability to read the game, a, a good leadership ability that allowed me to move my pieces and prevent danger, sense danger, uh, and, and different things. But uh, the technical side of the game at my begin of the, the beginning of my, the beginning of my career was not my strongest suit. But you know, I worked so hard at it that uh, you know, towards the middle of my professional career, uh, that was one of the compliments by one of my coaches is I was very clean and very technical because I really put an emphasis on making sure that I caught up, uh, and I caught up, and then I continued to try and get better in that sense. Well, I, you know, it's it's funny because that you mention all of that because you know, Saskia, she she actually had a story in regards to the fact that she she feels that when she first got to the collegiate level that she was just an athlete, that she was just an athlete and that she wasn't as technically clean as possible. And it's a very similar story in which she put all that effort and all that work into it. And, and that's one of the things, Saskia, that people always, always, you know, said about yourself is how, how technically sound you were, right? Yeah. But I had to work at it, you know, there was only so far athleticism can take you. And, um, uh, Absolutely. And, and I, I pride myself on that, that I could be that well-rounded goalkeeper where athletically, you know, if I had that, I had that, but then I didn't just rely on it. I focused on the technical side. Um, I learned the game better. You know, I became more of a student of it, understanding how to organize. And I used to do that 90% of the game. So um, there are a lot of other pieces that have to be put into place other than just being athletic. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of those pieces is being willing to be flexible and learn and keep growing because, and I, that's one of the reasons why I think, you know, we had discussed the spin move on the show in the past and Miguel, as you know, it's kind of a polarizing subject in, in this country. There's a lot of goalkeeper coaches out there that refuse to teach, to teach it because they feel that it goes against 
their understanding of the position and how the goalkeeper should move. So can you kind of break it down for some, maybe some parents who are listening who might not be sure. familiar with it? Sure. And, you know, when, he, when I saw your question, I said the stigma behind it. And, I, and here's what I will say about that. In my experience coaching and working with different style coaches, I, I just think that if you're a close-minded individual, anything that challenges you, you're going to be defensive. Okay. Obviously in the U S that hadn't been taught for many years, many, many years. And so when suddenly you start to see it because kids have now have access or kids from other countries are coming. And I think it challenges you because a lot of the goalkeepers that don't want to teach it cannot do it. And two, um, you know, it just, it goes against basically what you've been teaching and what you've been, uh, you know, w w the way you, you played as, as a, as a professional collegiate, whatever, it, whatever it was. Now, I just think, and I think something that you said is very, very key here, is that we must, as, as coaches and as goalkeepers, and that was my particular situation, we need to be open-minded. We need to be willing to learn and understand that if we knew something was a certain way for 10 years and suddenly we realize that, it's, that there's tweaks we can do to it or where there are different things that we can adapt to to be, become more effective, then I think we should be receptive and accepting and try to learn that and maybe see how we can implement it to the game. I sent you that video uh, because, yeah. you know, when you asked me about that, I was like, you know what, I think there's a video that I did. It was just a little, uh, little handling session that I was doing just to kind of get going, get my hands ready. And I realized, and I not realized, I was like, this is the perfect example. I did the spin move, but I understood, in my opinion, that it was just a resource. You didn't have to use it all the time. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. It looks awesome. <laughs> but is it effective all the time? Mm -hmm. It's not. And it's not. And, here's, and, and so for me, I always, when I teach anything at all, I always teach the kids or, or pros or whatever I'm coaching. It's like anything that you do has to make sense right? It has to make sense. What is the spin move for? Well, they use it in South America to get up faster, to reload faster. And most of the time it's in predictable drills that will go to the opposite side. That's what, that's why they use it because you get up quicker, but for you to be able to get up quicker, you need momentum to be able to get up quicker. In other words, you go down on one side, you need momentum. What happens? Your legs start swinging and you use the momentum of your legs to then spin, you know, on your back. To, or whatever, to get up the other way and get up quicker. What was happening is that sometimes I see kids trying to do it where there's no momentum, and then it's counterproductive. Then they take, it takes them too long to get up, and I say mm -hmm. to them, well, what's the point of you doing it? Is it because it looks cool? Is it because it doesn't look cool when you have no momentum? It looks like a, you know, an old lady <laughs> trying to get up. Old man trying to get up. It's, the, the point is you have to get up quicker. You have to be more effective. So if it doesn't make sense, if you cannot get up quicker, then it's the wrong thing to do. And so I think it goes to, it just, it goes to show you that the, the trainings are so different between South Americans and here in the U.S. and even Europe is, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that I found when I moved to America in the goalkeeper training is it's, uh, it's, it's effective. It's, uh, it's um, very purposeful, you know, don't do unnecessary things. And uh, in South America, the training is more uh, predictable movements, you know, dynamic. It's move to one side, move to the other one. So you already know where the service is coming from for the most part back in the day. It's, it's changing here and there. 
And here in America, it was more set. You always set, you always set, you know, uh, react to the shot. You know, nothing, no, nothing really is predictable because the game is not predictable. So uh, what I did is in my career is adapted both things, okay? Um, I adapted the, the, the philosophy and the, th the thought process. I spin when I have momentum and I need to uh, reload for the second shot, either, you know, from coming straight at me or the opposite direction. You know, if I had no momentum, if I just went down quickly on a little collapse dive, then I just swing my feet back up. It's kind of like the motion of a rocking chair that will allow me to get back up quicker on my feet. The plant, you know, the plant uh, foot uh, uh, technique that you call. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of the thought behind it. I just think that, um, you know, you just got to be whatever it is that you do. You have to be effective. And, and sometimes the spin move is effective, sometimes it's not effective. And that's the key here, making the right decision at the right time. And as you know, um, you know, a split second decision, a split second delay turns into a goal or turns into an incredible save. Sassi, did you ever try it? Have you ever yeah, tried it? I teach okay. it, but I teach it in certain situations. And I also give my, give my players an option. Like, you know, they, and then they have to explain to me, you know, what is more effective. Um, like I have one, I have one player, Aiden, who, who uses it from time to time and does it very well. And um, and there are, like you said, there are times for it in a drill, and there are times not for it. Um, some, you know, when there isn't momentum, I feel that a lot of kids lose lose sight of the ball. You know, they when they're trying to do it and get up like it's got to be so quick else it's not it's just not effective because it's taking technically it takes extra time in my in my opinion like then just kicking up and getting up with your body moving forward already and your eyes are on the ball the whole time it takes extra time so you take and we're talking about like a millisecond but it takes extra time so if you're not doing it properly not doing it fast enough sometimes you're just you're behind you're behind in the play but, but I think again like I always say I you know do something, perfect it, and become the best, the best at it and use it in your toolbox when you can, but perfect it. And, you know, I'm never going to tell you it's the wrong thing to do if you're doing it properly and it works for you. That's, that's a great, that's a great uh, uh, point there. It's, it's, some, it's an additional resource in your mm -hmm. toolbox. Yeah. And you have, to be, uh, uh, you have to be smart when you can use it to benefit you and obviously your team. You know, and then that's the key here. It's first, you got to perfect it. Yeah. You got to make sure that you're consistent. And second, the most important thing is you got to make the right decision and use it when it's the right time to use it. Because yeah. if not, it can cost you dearly. So, again, for me, it was I had it. I knew I could do it. Uh, you know, it was it was fun. It was a preferred method for me. But I knew that there were times where it just wasn't necessary. In fact, it was counterproductive. So I yeah. didn't do it. And I think that little video shows you exactly i spin when there's momentum i don't spin when there's no momentum and uh and so that's why i try to teach my kids with anything that we do is it's got to make sense why are we getting up faster what is this used for why can it help me and if you can understand that if you can teach it, us if we can understand it, if we can teach that then i think we're one step ahead of the game yeah okay should i so should i do should i do an omar zini and should i pull up Show should i pull up, this, yes, pull up the video okay I Okay, I gotta find uh
I gotta find the uh, the the, vi the video. But while we're while we're doing that, while I'm trying to find the video, um, why, why don't you can you guys discuss a little bit of some of those mistakes in regards to like the inopportune time to use it? I think you know you Saskia bring up the thing about the speed thing. You know, it's like it's like if you don't do it fast, at if you don't do it at speed, it's going to hinder you because now you're 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 facing away. You're facing away yeah. from the play. Yeah, it's it's a lot more it's. It's a lot more movement than the, I don't want to say old-fashioned, but the way, you know, just like you're down for a shot, you're kicking your momentum's up, you've got, you get up, you're already um, weight forward, ball to your feet forward, your eyes on the ball the whole time. Yeah, I'm trying to see I, how I think that if you're not doing it properly, not with enough pace, not with enough, then it's, it's too slow. Yeah. It's too, it's hindering you. You're, you're, you're behind the shot already. You're in an awkward position. You're not getting up explosively. And able to move. Well, okay. go ahead. No, no, sorry, no, you, you, sorry to. No, so I mean, go ahead. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I love Zoom. Um, no, so that's <laughs> to answer your question. Like that's how I see it. Um, that's how I see it hinder most kids. Not knowing when to use it, using it the wrong way, not getting, not getting up quick enough. And it's like, okay, you know, how that, how that work out for you? You know. Yeah. So, and then I'll tell them in the same situation. All right, let's try it. Let's try this. Okay, so same ball, same situation. Try it both ways. See, see which is more effective in this situation. And, under, and try to understand that, okay, that wasn't the right move to get up and get to that ball. This is. This is more effective. Um, and, but only by teaching both ways and, and showing them so they can answer their own questions and understand it. Not, you can't just tell them, no, nope, you did it wrong. Show them, show them the difference. Serve the same ball. Okay, can you guys, everybody, see this right yeah, here? Yeah, you gotta flip it. I, I, don't, I, I don't know how to flip it. That's Isn't the, it that's that little arrow? Oh, where is Omar when you need I know, I know. Wait, but can we, does that, does that, did that do anything? I don't know uh, what no, I just that did. That didn't do anything. I that think did we'll not be able to see a little bit, I guess. Yeah, now, I mind you, don't judge me. This is, uh, it was preseason, <laughs> it was cold. Don't and worry, I just, no I just wanted to get some, you know, some handling in. But right. uh, it was funny because when, when uh, Michael told me, I was like, man, I think there's, I have a little training video because the reality is, is that you very rarely in a game, uh, you know, will make saves in the opposite direction. So look, see, that, there's, there's, let's see, there's momentum there. So I spin, I go right. to the opposite side. There's a little momentum. So I spin and I get up quick. Now here, if I go straight down, see and see the difference. I'm going to go to the same side. Mm -hmm. I don't need to, I, obviously I don't exactly, need to do Exactly, exactly. And see, and that's a perfect example of when you can use it. So spin. My, you know, and if you don't have the momentum, and you, if you slow that down on that spin, if you don't have the momentum, now you're on your back, your eyes are off the ball, and you're not getting up as quick. As opposed to when you got up, when you didn't have the momentum, you got up the old-fashioned way, if you want to put it that way. And you yeah. got it fun, and you didn't need to use it. No, and I think, and I think you, you know, you bring a great point. It's like you can, I mean, you can obviously challenge. Um, by the way, no kid, no kid has ever challenged me in a training session and say, "Well, why that don't make sense." But if you do, but they do, it's like, look. But sometimes, <laughs> wait, you you're lucky. Playing. You're lucky, man. You're you're look, lucky. You haven't touched some very, Southern I, California I am very lucky. kids. I, no, I tell oh, you, no, I tell you what, with the, I tell it's you what, little. I tell you with young kids when they do challenge me. Sometimes is when I tell them to. And a smother save to take the ball down, you know, go the way down because they feel like they're too confident, too maybe too, you know, uh, too cocky in that particular day. They don't need to take the ball down, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, this is about making uh, making habits, 
you know, in the game, you you want to be safe and, and this and that. So that's where I get a little bit sometimes pushback. But uh, for the most part, I got some pretty uh, receptive kids. And uh, otherwise, they know I laid the law, the law down. Uh-uh. Um, but uh, but you know, to that point, I say, if you're able to show them different ways uh, and why one works and why one doesn't, then I think you have a better shot at them understanding, you know, what the right the right way to do certain situations. And of course, you always want to allow them to make decisions and solve problems. But there are things that just inevitably or inarguably rather, uh, there is a good is a good decision and a bad decision. And so I think when you show them things like that, you know, I think it helps them. But yeah, for sure, like the spin move is, is designed to get up faster in the right situation. And you do get, you do get up faster in the right situation. Yeah. reason why, because if you don't, there's just so much momentum and force going one way that by the time the momentum stops, for you to get up the old, not old right. fashioned way, that the plan, then it takes you a little bit longer. And so mm-hmm. that's why, the, that's why um, ideally, that's when you use this spin move, if you, can, if you can do it right. And if you do it right, you don't have to take your eyes off the ball. Because of that momentum, that will allow you to spin quicker. No, but that's what not, I mean. If you're going too slow, then you don't have yeah, your momentum. Then yeah. it, it, it almost looks awkward. You guys, I've seen. I've seen some of my students that, for whatever reason, have been, have been somebody attempted to teach it to them, and literally they spin their legs, and like, it takes them like two tries to spin their. Legs. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what's the point? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about this because you were bringing up the fact of the, the momentum. And I want to bring up with the momentum also goes where you steered the ball. So, for instance, if you, Sask, like if you steer the ball wide and long, there's no reason for you to try to do a spin move, right? You might as well just get up traditionally and just cover your, cover your right. ankle Correct. because you have the time. But if you spill the ball, what, direct and in front, and across, maybe that's a situation where you go and get the spin move so you can get maybe try to pounce on that second ball. Would that be one of the situations you're referring to? Uh, so, so, so it's here's hard where down, it's harder to break down a little bit. Yeah, so it's, I was thinking, Saskia, I was thinking, right? <laughs> it's very rare when you have to do a spin move to, the, to, do, to go to the opposite side, which is why, because when you have to dive with strength to that one side, right. the ball, at worst case scenario, if you gave a bad rebound, is going towards the middle. If you gave a bad rebound, Right. Ideally, obviously, it goes to one side, right. correct? So when you have to reload, you can relo- you reload waiting for a ball that's going in the same direction. Usually, when you see goalkeepers uh, make a spin move save, is when maybe there was a deflection. Mm-hmm. Uh, that when you started diving to one side, deflection, yeah, and go to the other side, to so get up to go to the other side, because you had momentum and force going one way, because right. the original shot was directed that way. Or when there's a shot, you dive, it's suddenly reach hits the post goes back the other way then you turn to hopefully try to make another save right. usually that's when uh, that would happen sometimes the spin move allows you to get up quicker just to be in a straight position from a shot that's coming from you know even from the direction where you deflected the ball towards but you know i went back right before this i was like you know what i don't remember any massive famously saves that were done uh with like a double save with a spin move and i went back and i watched 10 minutes of some of the best t- saves uh in the game that had ever happened and i found 
one save where the goalkeeper dove to one side, had to spin, and then make the save to the other side. You know what? It was Saskia was? Weber, right? So, so. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, besides, besides that one, it was uh, Jaime Penedo with the LA Galaxy. Do you guys remember that save? Oh, it was oh. an unbelievable save. He dives to one side, but hit the ball. The ball hits the post. The ball goes back to uh, the middle, and then he spins and completely. I mean, an unbelievable save. But besides that. There was a couple, there was an Argentinian goalkeeper that, you know, that used it effectively and had an unbelievable two save. Because if you think about it, anytime you make two saves that are from different direct, that, that, that are from opposite direct, that go to opposite direction, I would argue that that save probably needs to be in a highlight reel. Mm -hmm. So realistically, it's not often that you have to make one save to one side, reload to go completely the opposite way, both with momentum. Okay, well, then, is then I have fair, a question. Is that a, would you, is that a fair point? Would yeah, you say absolutely. Something? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, I'm thinking, of, like, I'm, I wish we did have more video because I'm thinking of it in my head. And, you know, if you make, if you're diving near, like, towards you, you, one side and near post and you're deflecting back out towards that side. So if you're continuing the ball on its way, to do a spin move would be, it would be the wrong move to do. Correct. You want to kick back up, be set again, in case you have to go back down to that same side again. You see what I'm saying? So if I'm up, I make a save to my right. If I spin, I'm kind of going to the opposite direction. I would want to kick back up and be able to go back down to that same side again or be set and square. Absolutely. Absolutely. It will be if there's a the ball yeah, hits the post like, and it goes to the and it goes, and it goes back, back the opposite, the opposite way. Side. So then you're now, and you're off. Correct. And it's also one of those where like the ball came back to the opposite way and it's like and it's an option and it, it becomes an option for the forward, whoever, and it, it, that, that's a tap-in. It's basically a sacrifice save. You have nothing else to lose. Right, right. You're going the opposite way. You're not even setting. You're just diving. You're and just going. God, that it hits you, right? And that's <laughs> usually uh, when, when, this, when this happens. Because yeah. when you do a spin move, okay, you're never set. So that means, so that's what I was saying to you. It goes back to the school of South American training where training is more predictable. In other words, the coach tells you, I'm going to shoot to the left, you dive, spin, and I'm going to shoot to the other side. And, and that's usually when the, that's where it originated from because it is a more effective way to go from one side to the other when you know where that ball is going to go. That doesn't but I mean think, that I think I think, Miguel, that's one of the problems that I see in regards to – and I'm not, I'm not negating South American training in any way whatsoever, but – no. In the traditional South American sense, the way that the training used to, used to go, it was a lot of emergency save type situation type training as opposed to working on the bubble and things that are, that, that are common in the game. So you would get a lot of times, in my opinion personally, a lot of goalkeepers were very good athletes who could read the game, but they didn't understand how to make the simple save because they never worked on it. They never worked on it. Yeah, well, so you know, it's they could come up with a, spectacular, but they, yeah. they would make simple mistakes. Right. It, it's just a different way, uh, Mike. You know, it's just a different way because, um, you know, what I say is you still need to do those predictable exercises because that's helping you perfect your technique. You know, that's helping you put your butt. Uh, and, uh, but you must do unpredictable situations. You must do I, that. I finish all my sessions with, with situations where they have to make a decision. And that decision goes from where you are positionally, where you are in your angle, what technique are you going to use, and all those different aspects, right? Are you going to catch it? Are you going to parry it? All that. Where, like, this South America, when I trained in Mexico, it was more predictable. Um, and by the way, 
who's to say that that's right and that's wrong? Because there's been some of the best goalkeepers in the world have been South American, some of them have been European, some of them have been American. Who's to say that that is right or wrong? It's just, you know, for me, it makes sense to teach my kids. Uh, obviously, all the technical training that we do is predictable, predictable, predictable. But at some point, we go to, you know, make decisions. Use the, the, the technique that we just worked on. We worked on five or six different type of blocking techniques. Now I'm going to give you unpredictable service, and I want you to make decision the best decision possible. Uh, uh, you know, with the unpredictable service, because ultimately the game is unpredictable, and you have to be prepared for anything. When you train a goalkeeper to do, you know, uh, you know, predictable stuff, you know, in the game, I think that there is a delayed reaction to everything because you're so used to, uh, you know, the predictable service, and also you have to add the human side of the game where there's more adrenaline, there's more stress, there's more anxiety. Uh, at times, some, there's some fear. And those things delay your reaction time. And when you don't train those situations in a, a, a training, uh, then, then you, you know, you're missing an opportunity to recreate a game-like environment for your kids to be able to perform at the best, uh, the best mindset possible. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I, 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 I love what you just said there in regards to, and we've, we've talked about it on the show in regards to that mental aspect of that, that stress. And, and Sus, do you remember when we had, when we had Mulch and Blodge on and they talked about, you know, one of his issues with the, with the development academies and is that these kids weren't learning how to deal with all the pressure of actually yeah. being in a game environment. They were mm -hmm. training in a stagnant environment mm -hmm. you know, and how important that was. Yeah, I mean, and we even got into, like, the difference between playing for your high school and stuff. Like, we dumb it down, like, that much. Like, just that pressure of the fans. You know, when you're in that academy environment, you've got, you know, coaches around you watching you and your parents on folding chairs, and that was about it. And we got into being in that atmosphere and that, that high level of stress and feeling, feeling responsible the next day in school or the next day seeing your peers and, all that stuff. And yeah, you have to, but it's the same thing we talked about with Fram Swift the other day was just, you have to d create those environments that as best as you can are game-like. And game-like doesn't just mean game speed, it means, it means competitive. Um, you know, like you're competing the entire time. Uh, so, the, and it's unpredictable. Absolutely, because there's the human element. You can sit here and you can say, hey, we're going to do this drill, da, 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 there's your save, da, 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 there's your save, there's your save. But when do you add in that unpredictability? Because it just doesn't work that way in a game. Yeah, and, and that's, and, and look, I think um, we all know that the best goalkeepers are the ones that have a stronger mentality. It's a psychological thing, right? I, I had the pleasure of training with some unbelievable training superstars. But when it came down to playing games, their decisions just were not reason why is because, you know, they couldn't handle an environment. I, I struggled with that mentally. There were, there were some times that, that I would step on the, on the field and I go into the, into the goal before the game and I look around me and I'm like, how the heck is anybody going to in this tiny goal? And there were other days when I step on that same goal, same size, nobody moved anything. And I'd be like, how the heck am I going to save anything today? Yeah. So there's a big mental aspect to this that we must uh, try our best to uh to uh recreate a training and sometimes in my trainings i do little things that kids sometimes don't know what i'm doing 
um, but it's ultimately to try to put them in stressful situations. So one of the things that I do uh, that I, you know, that, that I, that I love doing often, I don't know if you guys do anything like this. So if I have group trainings, I have a lot of goalkeepers. So say I have a, a line of four keepers that I'm doing, you know, some sort of service and we're just getting into, into it. I'm doing some volleys and I'm pop, 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 volley, you know, whatever, volley, 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 volley just to get our hands ready. And then maybe at the end or randomly, I'll tell one of them, okay, if X, X drops the ball, we all do 10 push-ups. And then sometimes they drop the ball when they've caught it a hundred times right before. But what is that telling? What is that, what is that, why is that happening? Because suddenly it's a, it's a stressful situation. There's more to it. There's some tension. Now there's other people that depend on you having a good save. And sometimes they just think that I'm just having fun. I'm just for the heck of it. But what I'm trying to do is put them in a situation that maybe is a little bit more uncomfortable. Suddenly their sets, their stance is a little bit more tense because there is something at stake. So what am I trying to do is recreate a game-like situation uh, where there are more things, there are more elements that you have to consider uh, training. And so that for me, those are things that are very important. I struggle with it. You know, I struggle with the mental side of the game. I had anxiety. There were some times where I would come out of my box uh, when I didn't need to. Reason why? Because I hated getting scored on. So sometimes I would want to stop the problem at source. Let me get out to the forward before he shoots. You know, I wasn't patient enough to just allow my goalkeeping abilities and my ref my reflex, my athleticism, and my technique to allow me to make a save that I wasn't supposed to make. And so I, I, I'm just the biggest advocate for the mental side of the game. Yes, we can teach technique all we want, and we, we will continue. You just have to. But I think the more you can add, you know, situations that recreate a game-like environment and, and admit and be humble enough to say, you know what, I know you flinched this time on a spread save. You know, I'd like for you to keep your eyes on the ball because you will allow to see if the, if the, the player, you know, uh, make, made a fake and try to dribble you or try to chip you or whatever. Try to keep your eyes on the ball. But sometimes they don't. But I get it. It's a freak. You know what I mean? Somebody can smash the ball, you know, five feet away from you. Like, so I get it. If one of my young goalkeepers looks away and I'm not going to fault him for it, I'm not going to be like, hey, don't look away. Keep your eyes on the ball. I get it because I was in that situation too. I know what it feels like to have, you know, one of the best goalkeepers, uh, one of the best strikers in the league six feet in front of you with no pressure. I know that there is more to just, hey, you know, uh, technical training. There's a, there's a psychological side to the game. And where now was the best goalkeeper in my career, that's when I had. Um, there was a, 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 a there were, we had psychological help uh, in mm -hmm. the program. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I love what you were just saying right there. I mean, honestly, I never even thought about that in that in that respect of making it making it uncomfortable for the goalkeeper in the training um, by by doing something like that, and that because of that, it creates that game like that game like anxiety, which is that I think that's just. That's awesome. And I think if us as goalkeeper coaches can find more ways to manipulate our sessions to not just get what we want out of it physically, but mentally too, I, I think, I think we're just going to be, I mean, that, that's just, that's just, that's just awesome. Um, yeah, I, I think that's part of like what we were talking about the other day is like, why use, why use a dummy when you can use a person? Like put people, put bodies there, make rebounds yep. live, like make their consequences. Like, if you're if you're doing stuff around a dummy and the keeper gives up a rebound, then they'll just go and pick it up. When is that realistic? Like put a person in there, have those people moving around, have it be your other goalkeepers moving around. They can deflect the shot if, if, you, if it comes too near them. 
and have there be consequences. Put that stress yeah. on your keeper. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you're, you're absolutely correct about that. I, I want to talk about this now in regards to, to stress because you were bringing up the spread save, which is another emergency save situation similar to what you were talking about with the, with the spin move. And the spread save is also something that a lot of people think originated in Europe, but it did not. It originated in South America, and now it's being incorporated into the European game, such as the side volley, for instance, also originated in South America, being incorporated into the European game. Um, is it only a matter of time before something such as the spin move where people are just going to see it just as part of the game and, and consistently being trained? And I like, Miguel, what you were talking about is like, you need to have both elements of your training. You need to have the dynamism in training, and you need to also have the, the technical clean footwork, moving, handling, all that Absolutely. sort of thing, you know, because I think for a while there's been one or the other. You've seen a lot of goalkeeper coaches, they're going one direction or they're going the other direction, but they're not incorporating the two elements. And, and as, as Sas- Saskia, you, you were talking about, it's like, you need to be able to move. You need to yeah, be able but, to move. Yeah, but not everything, it's not, not everything works for the, the same thing for every keeper. Correct. Like you can't say, this is how you become a keeper. And that's it. And you do this this way. Just every keeper is different. Their their body shape is different. Their speed is different. Their strength is different. Their height is different. How they lead the game. Everything. Everybody's different. And granted, we can have like a certain like outline, but you have to be. There's gray areas, and you have to be able to give your players as many tools as you can to see what works best for them. What works best for them. Yeah. Whether it's the side volley or whether it's um, a drop kick, whether, you know, it's um, a certain, just certain kind of movement in the goal, whether it's a spin move, whether it isn't. Here are your options. Let's, as a coach, let's train them in the right situations and, and perfect what you're best at. But always have these other things. For anybody to say, well, we should only do it the Euro- this European way or this way, then yeah. again, like we said in the beginning, then you're close-minded and you're going to fall behind as a coach and so your players. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that happens, uh, Saskia, I think that's excellent that, that, that you say those things because one of the things that I find with some uh, coaches uh, that I've had experience working with is that when they do their, uh, all their badges and everything, it's, they're always by the book, by the book. And what I say to them is that it, it's not always by the book. I think the book, it's, it's a great way. It's a great foundation, but the Absolutely. game is so much bigger. So the game and the position is so much bigger than that. And there are things that are almost unexplainable. They're rather, uh, you learn them by experience and you explore and you find things that work for you. And those things that work for you may be uh, different than what you coach you know, has been telling you. And that doesn't mean that your coach is wrong. It just means that you haven't been able to experience for yourself for you to yeah. find out, you know what, this worked for me. This didn't work for me. <laughs> it's not always, bla- it's not always black or white. It, there's, yeah. there's a lot of things that, that, uh, that, that are just individual and you just have to learn by experience. That's why this position, it, this is what they say, and it's absolutely very true. As the older the goalkeeper is, the better it is. Why? Because of the experience. Because they've seen more situations, more as different scenarios. As long as they're open to adapt. Scenarios. Because, I mean, they, like, and that's what we said. We had talked about somebody, uh, a person that was doing a session at um, the coaches' convention. And Mike had come back to me. I wasn't there. And he said, I can't believe, I'm not going to, 
put them under the bus. But I can't believe they trained this or this. I think it was breakaways or something. Had him. I can't believe they yeah. they trained this this one way. Like like, and it was so stagnant and so like archaic in a sense that you know it was obvious that that person was totally set in their ways and coaches were like, are you serious right now? Like, you know, it's not just black and white, like, you know, and whether, and we talk about like, when do you use the casing? When do you, when, when do you come for 50, 50 ball hands first? When do you jockey somebody? When do you like, there's so many different reasons, but if you're stuck in your ways and you don't adapt and you don't give those options and learn them yourselves. I, I never, I never did a case save in my life. Like, you know, when I was, when I was taught, but I learned that when to use it and how effective it can be at times. And of course, now I teach it to my kids, but I teach them when to use it. Correct. And this, the intelligence of soccer, because, you know, you got kids that see it now and they're like, set like seven yards away from the ball. <laughs> and you're like, what are you doing? But, um, that's where you have to you have to open yourself up as a coach and be open for the education. Like take bits and pieces from yeah, one hundred percent. And what I one of the things that I find is when you start looking around the world and the goalkeeper coaches for top level teams, you start to see younger goalkeeper coaches get involved and get opportunities. Reason why is because they're evolving with the game while also learning from those more experienced goalkeeper coaches. Uh, I think, as I said in the beginning of this, of this, of this uh, interview, is that us as coaches, just like in life, we got to be open-minded and willing to accept that what we've been doing was maybe right and it worked before, but now we have to evolve. Exactly. And that's where I see the problem is that some people don't want to evolve. And sometimes it's not because they don't believe that they should evolve. It's because there's a, there's a level of uh, uncertainty, of lack of confidence to maybe say, well, I don't know how to do that. I didn't do that. But that doesn't mean you can't educate yourself and teach it. I, get, I, I would argue that a lot of coaches that are maybe older, they didn't do the spin move, they didn't do the side volley, they didn't do other things, and no. they probably <laughs> cannot physically do it. That doesn't mean that you can't learn it, not maybe to physically do it, but learn it to teach it and understand why it works, no, I didn't how do it works, and when and I it needs to, to when, you know what I mean? And I Absolutely. think that that's, that's the biggest thing is we need to be more open-minded to learn new ways. And so, you know, that's the same thing with, with the spread save, like you call it, you know, like it originated. When I think of the spread save, when I started seeing it more often in the last few years, I, I, I did think to, to that point, it's like, man, this there's this Mexican goalkeeper that I've been doing it for years and they were famous for it. We used, you know what we used to call it? The, the Christ save. Because <laughs> what they, they do it differently. What they do is they'll go down with their knees they open up like this big time and it's like a, and it's like a, like a Christ. Yeah. Okay. And their, their goalkeepers are famous for that. In fact, some commentators will call it that when they, when they do it, they call it, you know, they do the Christ. That's what they do. And it's basically uh, the same idea. They use it. It's like uh, the same idea as a, as a spread save. It's just a different body shape, but ultimately, you know, that was their way to cover as much space yeah, as making possible. Yourself as big make as possible. yourself as big as possible. But that's, you know, that's when I remember saying, man, this has been useful forever. You know <laughs> what I mean? 
but uh, now it's become, you know, but I, I like it. I like that, uh, you know, people, you know, take think and they want to evolve and they want to learn, you know what I mean? And, and try to perfect it, understand it to see if it's something that can be used. And that's the beauty of goalkeeping is that it's going to continue to evolve. Some methods, you know, we talk about people now, it's like, oh, goalkeepers now have to be good with their feet. Like, well, they've had to be good for with their feet for a long time. It's just now suddenly, you know, uh, people are paying attention to certain things, you know, and for sure, it's, you know, we want to teach it more and people talk about it more. And as the game evolves, you need the goalkeeper to be more, more involved as well. But it's not something new, you know, it's not something new. Well, well you know, it's funny because last week we had Franz Hook on, you know, which, and it was, I mean, we did like two hours with him. I mean, it was with the name, by the way. I did, did, did I do better with the name? <laughs> Franz Hook. Franz Hook. Uh, and uh, his friend and we, from Buffalo. That was, that was uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was. Uh, I was he trying was try- to. Uh, he was so into talk, trying to do the Dutch accent and stuff. And then he brought up a friend of Franz who had, who had written in, and he goes, "So and so from Buffalo." I go, "Are you talking about he's from Buffalo, New York?" <laughs> enough, enough with the accent. I'm like Buffalo, hey, New York. <laughs> uh, don't do that commercial like that. Uh, I, I I don't know the name of the actors, but they do the commercial where they talk like people from Staten Island. They parked the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 oh the Boston it. one. The Boston one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a great commercial. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. No, that's a, that's, a, that's a great one. But um, so anyway, Franz Hook uh, <laughs> said, um, said that, you know, the, the goalkeeping position now, the goalkeeper coach position now is transferring from a goalkeeper coach specialist that works in isolation away from the team to an assistant coach with a specialization in goalkeeping. 100%. 100%. And you see and you see a lot of uh, goalkeeper coaches that are actually in charge of set pieces. All right? That's what he said. Defensively and offensively. Why? That's because exactly you know, that's what he, exactly what he said. Were you listening exactly to the podcast? What he said. Were you? <laughs> no, I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. I'm sorry. But let me tell you a reason why is because you know, it's like uh, there's a commercial here on an insurance commercial where the guy says, everything I learned from their side, I use on your side type of thing. You know what right, I mean? Like, exactly. It's the same thing. You know, you know, mm-hmm. you know, for instance, me as a goalkeeper, I tell my forwards, hey, shoot it here, shoot it there. When I do this, Absolutely. you do that. Why? Because I, wanna, I want my teammate to get better. And I know about his position because I have to learn it and I have to compete against it. So as a goalkeeper coach, if you understand the game, I think that there's an advantage there because you know what the opposition could potentially do to prevent you from hurting them. And obviously, you obviously try to uh, perfect your craft as to how to be more effective uh, uh, defensively. I, I think it's true for, for many reasons, for many reasons for that, for the set pieces, for because as a goalkeeper now, uh, you're not isolated. You, you need to make sure that you're part of the team. You stay connected all the time, depend, understand how your team plays. You can't just be a shot stopper anymore, uh, sit back and not make decisions. You know, you need to stay connected with the team, affect the game, manage, manage games, understand your pieces, understand the opposition. And as a goalkeeper coach, you need to understand those things too. And, and the biggest thing for me is I'll always, you know, I'll, I'll always say this, is that the goalkeeper coach, I would, I would say, I would want to call it, I hope one day they start calling them goalkeeper managers. Uh, reason why is because I think the most important thing for goalkeeper coaches is to manage uh, the goalkeeper, the, the emotions, the psychological side of it. There isn't really much that a goalkeeper, uh, a goalkeeper coach at a high level is going to technically be able to teach 
a goalkeeper professionally, at tweaks here and there, maybe debate. But the biggest thing that the goalkeeper can do now uh, as a coach is uh, make sure that psychologically your goalkeepers from the goalkeeper union are all ready to go, uh, being as confident as possible, you know, understanding the game, understanding the opposition, and uh, be as part of the team as much as possible. I love what you just brought up there, Miguel, and you said goalkeepers, because I think that's one of the biggest problems that a lot of young goalkeeper coaches have is they put all their emphasis on the number one. Mm -hmm. So they aren't even, they, they they don't develop the relationship with the others. And what happens if another, another goalkeeper goes down? I'm totally opposite of that. No, yeah. absolutely. I, I just totally think that, I, I mean, well, there's a team, right? There's a team and you, who's no, to, who I, and, is and, to, and, who? and I, again, I'm, I'm not saying that that's the way I would do it, but I'm just saying I've seen it before and I've seen it a lot. A lot no, of times it's, a, I think it's, it's, just, it's very, very common, very common. I've seen it with, you know, the teams that I've been able to be around professionally. And so I just think that wouldn't be my way because absolutely. you got to make sure that all your goalkeepers are feeling confident. They're all feeling good. Because you never know. Absolutely, but I, it goes back to what I was saying about the manager. You need to manage your starting goalkeeper. You need to treat him in one way. The guy that could potentially come in, the second goalkeeper, the third mm-hmm. goalkeeper is even more important. Reason why is because if you're usually your third goalkeeper is a younger guy that has great potential to be a great goalkeeper. So you need to make sure that you're constantly uh, working and uh, they're psychologic, right? They make sure that they're feeling good. Yeah, you're not playing, maybe you're not dressing, but we believe in you. You're going to do great things. And I'm not just going to tell you this. I'm going to show you by treating you equally on things. Where you can different, of course, the, the treatment is maybe the amount of repetitions uh, on, a, on, a, on a starting goalkeeper on a certain day, you know? Like the little I, things like that, but that those doesn't things mean... Change. Like, sure. I, yeah, listen, those I'll, things change. I was a goalkeeper that, that yeah. I always wanted to train. Even, you know, like if we played Saturday night, come in Sunday off, Monday morning, come in. Uh, only the guys that didn't play or played the mm-hmm. 60 less, you know what I mean? And the other, the starting guys would just kind of jog, uh, recuperate. Right, same, same with I, the national team. And I will come in. I will be like, I want to play. I, you know, yeah. I didn't get tired in the game. I want to come yeah. in. I want to play small-sided. I want to play three, yeah. three, 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 you know what I mean? And yeah, so that, that's very important. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, those other keepers – like, yes, I agree with you. Like, let's say we have three keepers and one of them is, if we're doing small-sided, the other two will rotate in the, in the other goal and the one keeper, the starter, gets the, the one goal. Um, but, you know, the way those other pe- keepers perform impacts the mentality of the team as well. Mm-hmm. And when you see your third string keeper, like, making great saves and distributing and her team – her small side team or her players in front of her getting hyped up and everything and having just as much confidence in who they have behind them, whether it's the third string or the starter, that just lifts, raises the mentality of your entire team. That they don't care which keeper they get. They're not like, oh, I'm getting so-and-so. I'm, I'm. No, they're like, fine, who cares? They're, yeah. they're all bringing it. They all have that drive, that mentality, that intensity. And they all, you know, and they, you know, so I think that is incredibly important. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, I, I want to talk about this before before we get going, and, I, and we're gonna try to we're gonna try to end on time uh, today, uh, Miguel, because uh, I know everyone's got a lot. Obviously, you've got everything going on with MLS right now. You're probably slammed getting ready for. I was gonna say getting ready for Orlando, but you're already there. So, <laughs> <laughs> are yeah. you gonna be living in the bubble? No, no, no. We're gonna be broadcasting uh, pregame shows, postgame shows uh, from the studio. Uh, but yeah, soon. 
super busy with that. I'm uh, I'm excited. Uh, we're gonna be doing some stuff with NWSL, where actually, which I'm really excited about. Nice. As you know, I, I've been able. I you know I'm I'm friends with some of those guys. I'm I, I cover the as well. Uh, we'll be doing some sort of game previews as they go to Utah to do the challenge. You know, the challenge cup. You know, I love the women's game. I, you know, I, it just. I mean, I have I have a do- I have two daughters, and uh, you know, I just think that. You know, not to dunk on the guys, but uh, female athletes in general are just incredible role models. Besides being bosses on the field, they're just incredible role models for 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 anyone. But uh, so I go to the Orlando Pride games all the time with with my girls. You know, uh, I, I I tell them about certain players that do things off the pitch as well. And so I'm excited to be covering the NWSL too. And on top of that, you know, as I said, I'm a, I'm a competitive director for a youth club. So we got trials and registration and all this stuff. And then I work with the Orlando City Foundation. So <laughs> it, it's, it's crazy. But uh, I thank God every day for the incredible opportunities that I'm given to, to impact, uh, you know, kids and just educate as much as I can and educate myself. Well, you know, I mean, I honestly, Miguel, you know, I think one of the things is while we're having this conversation, it's just, you know, a lot of people who just see you as a TV analyst don't recognize the fact that, that, that you're still giving back to the game and that you're still involved in the, in the coaching element, you know. And I'm glad that you decided to continue doing the coaching even when you got the TV gig um, because I think you're a, a real, you know, benefit to, to that Orlando community uh, for all those kids out there, you know, so. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. That, that, that really means a lot to me. You know, it's, uh, I, I, I'm very blessed that I have opportunities to work with, uh, grassroots levels, goalkeepers and players to pro levels, you know, during the summer, pro players reach out to me and I get the opportunity to train with them and help them out. You know, I've trained with all the Orlando City goalkeepers, the pride goalkeepers. I've worked with Ashton Harris with, uh, you know, with, with Aubrey when she was here. She's fantastic. I think she's going to be, she's already an incredible goalkeeper. I think she's the future. Um, uh, and uh, so it, it's great that I get to work with all level goalkeepers, you know, when, uh, you know, when there is a, an issue, like, for instance, where there was a coaching change for Orlando City and, uh, you know, the goalkeeper coach still wasn't here. They still didn't know who they were going to bring. You know, they asked me to go train the goalkeeper for a couple of weeks. That was a great experience. Uh, and it was tempting, but uh, the, traveling, <laughs> the travel becomes difficult with my kids, you know. So right now where I stand, you know, doing the TV gig, but uh, my love and passion is for, for goalkeeping and training and everything. And uh, I think during the calls of my games, I make that evident that people start giving me crap. <laughs> um, well, well, last, last thing I want to say to, you know, you know, to, to both you guys here, if you guys can just give one like final piece of advice that you would give uh, a young goalkeeper coach on, on how to learn to be open-minded about a technique that a kid is using that they've never seen before um, to help encourage them uh, to keep working on it and, and to, um, to not negate their skill set and actually enhance their skill set. Yeah, sure. Um, I think you just, well, you just said it right there. It's to be open-minded, right? To be willing to learn, to be willing to listen, uh, to be willing to explore and adapt techniques that maybe as a, goal, as a goalkeeper coach might be uncomfortable for you, but be willing to, to learn and uh, educate yourself. At the end of the day, I think we need to understand and we need to remember that this is a game and we need to decipher it, right? Let's not forget that. Let's decipher how we can become more effective. And just because I've been, been told to do A, Y, and Z, 
I need to figure out, is this what's effective for me? And it goes back to the spin move. It goes back to the side volley, right? The side volley looks awesome. Is it effective all the time? No, it's not effective all the time. So don't overuse it, kid. So it just things like that. We need to be open-minded. We need to explain uh, to kids anything that we teach is we need to explain how we need to understand why and we need to uh, understand when. Uh, I, I teach that a lot. I preach on that a lot. Any, any instruction drill that I do with my kids, I always say at the end, does that make sense? And sometimes they think it's just, it's just me talking, you know, like it's just part of my vocabulary. But I always, sometimes I ask him, I mean it, does it make sense? Because if it makes sense and you understand why it can help you, you will be that much more motivated to do it and to do it properly, right? And so that's my biggest thing, uh, advice to, uh, to, to young goalkeepers is to be open-minded, explain things, make sure they understand why they're doing it. And if you do that, uh, my experience has been that you get a better uh, reception from the keepers and more uh, enthusiasm when they do certain exercises. Yeah. Sasuke, anything you want to add? Not nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was perfect. Just be repeating it. It's almost it's almost like you do this for your for your, for a living, Miguel. It's almost we'll like not talk about goalkeepers. We'll not <laughs> talk about goalkeepers. <laughs> You know, no, but you're, you're, you've got the, it's, it's the same thing as when Sean Farnham, who's an analyst for ESPN, when he was on college basketball analyst for ESPN, he came on and you could tell when you guys do this for a living, you know, there's a certain, there's a certain rhythm to it, a certain cadence to it. <laughs> well, look, don't yeah. act like I've been doing it for years, man. It's only my, <laughs> my, my, you know, I'm going into my fourth year. I'm really, I'm really loving it. I really am. You know, uh, you, you talk about, what I miss the most about the game and is that adrenaline right uh, before the game. And, you know, there's something about doing a broadcast right before we go live. That is just, you know, it, it tingles. It gets me going. It gets the sauce did the sauce did this exact same thing. Sauce you know went I, live every day, right? Yeah. Every day. I love yeah. it. Not live to take live. I loved it. There's nothing like it. Yeah. It's awesome. So, uh, you know, I'm enjoying it. Um, but again, it, there would be a part of me missing if I wasn't coaching, you know? It, mm -hmm. it, so it, as it happens is sometimes people ask me, how the hell do you do everything that you do? And I said, it's hard. My wife, you know, gives me a lot of, you know, stick for it. And I completely understand it, but it's difficult to, you know, turn down opportunities that you're so passionate about and you see a value in, you know, educating and just giving back and then continuing to learn. And it's, it's awesome. You know, so now with my youth club, I have over 70 goalkeepers. Imagine that. It's awesome. Uh, well, we'll, then, let, well uh, we'll finish, we'll finish this off with you plug, plugging, uh, plugging your uh, goalkeeping academy. So for, if anybody wants to reach out to you and want to know more about MG1, uh, well, where do they reach out? You know what? You know, what's funny, uh, Mike, that, MG1 is like the least thing that I do because I don't have time, you know, in the off season, I do some, you know, reason why, because we all as goalkeepers want to have our brand out there, right? We want to have our like, you know, my MG1, everybody has a one uh, with their initials or something like that. And just, that's just something that I do, like, you know, some little camps here and there, but uh, uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I don't do a lot with that, you know, because I, you know, again, I have 1200 kids in a youth, youth program that, that I have to occupy my energy with and then, casting and everything but yeah you know mg1 or you can just follow me on uh, my uh, my instagram i think it's g-a-l-l-o zero one no i don't even know it maybe can you guys help me plug it in we'll, we'll put it in the I'm show not... notes we'll, we'll put it yeah, in the show notes something like that all right but uh remember but yeah i mean it's great i love i love giving back i love learning and continuing to evolve as a goalkeeper and transferring that knowledge to the kids to hopefully you know not just create the next uh, superstar just 
allow them to be the best goalkeeper they can be and just have fun, have some fun doing it, you know? Awesome. I think that's, I think that's a great way to end guys. Remember contact at inside the 18. That's the number 18 media.com. If you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion or at goalkeeper podcast on all social media platforms at Saskia underscore Weber on Instagram. Uh, if you want to reach out to, to, to Susk as Franz, Puk, <laughs> Susk, you got Suskia. it. Suskia. You got Suskia it. Weber. I was wondering if you remember that. <laughs> I was going to get it. Um, Miguel, man, honestly, th- thanks for, thanks for taking the time, man. Um, I mean, best of luck with, uh, with the, with both tournaments, both the, uh, the, me- the men's and women's tournaments. We're really excited about that. Absolutely. I-, I know that we've discussed on the show, uh, that in the next couple of weeks, you know, uh, as the tournament, once the tournament progresses that we definitely want to start doing a lot of breakdowns of those matches and those different goalkeepers. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, that's something that maybe, you know, somebody like yourself would, would be a huge, uh, a benefit to us. Once we get our Omar, our, 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 our video guy back to, uh, to really show us, uh, the, the videos, right. Yeah. But, um, but uh, apologize, everybody. Uh, we have to uh, cut a little short today. Uh, sure. That is all the time on <laughs> inside the 18 and uh, we are out. <laughs> Bless you. Bless you. Bye. Hey, everyone. It's Michael. Before we move on to our next segment, want to remind you all to rate and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Literally takes 10 seconds and immediately makes you eligible for prizes. If you don't have an iPhone borrow a friend's iPhone. It's just that easy. Thanks for all the support and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18 live from my bunker in Palm Desert, California for I hopefully another week or so. I'm Michael Magid. With me is 99 World Cup winner Saskia Weber. With the best quarantine hair of anybody. From- oh, oh, you saw oh, it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no. That shot. That was shit. You got the sideshow Bob thing going on right I now. I was in Palm Springs when I took that picture. Oh, were you really? Last weekend. I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to bother me. But- <laughs> you're, like, you're like, I was literally down the street from you. Yeah, you, you broke know? me into a clinic or something. I just wanted to spend a day at the pool. <laughs> I was like, you're like, wait, you're like, Omar just sent me these clips. We're going to edit them. Do you want to come stop by and do this? <laughs> Speaking of Omar, uh, Omar Zini, you know him as Pro GK Academy. But joining us is Darren McLeod, goalkeeping director for Sporting KC Academy. What's up, man? Welcome to what you asked for. <laughs> it's, good to, it's good to have like social interaction with people outside of the club and like meet new faces so well welcome welcome i'm sure you might regret that in about an hour <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to give a little backstory uh darren is actually a, a listener he's an insider and uh you know i was thinking about just kind of what, what's been going on right now with like the opening of the country and you know we're starting to run sessions and i i remember i'd, I'd chatted with darren a little bit about trying to check out some of his sessions that he'd done recently with Sporting KC and what he was sending to them to do during the quarantine. And I was like, oh my gosh, this would totally be, this is now the time to start talking about this stuff on the air because I think that there's a lot of people out there who are starting to open up in certain parts of the country, certain parts not as as much. And uh, we want people to be safe about it, basically. Oh, and hold on, geez, 
Sorry, Omar Cartoon. Yeah, Omar. <laughs> Sorry, guys. No, keep going. Keep going. So, for, for those of you guys who are listening right now and you cannot see, Omar has just put on in the background a picture of Darren cradling a ball. Yeah, but as, it looks like he's got Omar in a headlock with the other arm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then there's a there's a there's a young young man with quarantine hair to the left uh, to the left of him. Hey, my hair was fabulous. Lay off. And sideshow Bob, eh, kind of. A little little little, little bit. I still can't believe you were like down the street and you're like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. That's <laughs> stupid. I'm good. Um, guys, if you uh, by the way, if you want to be uh, if you want to be an insider just like Darren, guys. All you got to do is leave a review, rate, review, and subscribe. Leave a fantastic review. It literally takes 10 seconds out of your day, and it ends, gets you on the show, basically. That's what you do. When, uh, when people like Darren reach out, and, uh, and they say they're big fans of the show, and we go, we have something that we need to do on a Wednesday at 2 o'clock, and he goes, I'm down with that. Let's make it happen. Uh, that's how you end up on the show, guys. Um, all right, let's just get, get into today's topic, guys. Today's topic is periodization okay. post-quarantine. I, I love that word. Pay periodization? <laughs> yeah. Does it there's sound a long, there's a long story behind it? I can't send that one, but go ahead. Oh wait, okay, hold on. Is there a long story? Is it like an appropriate No, it's not a long story. It's just I just hear it all the time. Periodization, periodization. I'm like, what? Well, <laughs> we had the talk on on Monday, um, on the GKIQ episode that, that that Omar and I did on Monday, Memorial Day, about coach talk and how there's just such a such a, such a a common practice of coaches just talking in coach talk and mm -hmm. it's almost like a foreign language and like kids are completely lost and then all they do is, is parrot back to us what 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 we've told them in the past what we've regurgitated but they don't really understand what we're talking about so right. um you know I, I i i can see where you're coming from on on the periodization with that being said darren what is periodization <laughs> i mean i i agree i think periodization is one of those words and like the coaching realm that's thrown away like to, to everyone it means their own thing um i i kind of look at it if you're looking at it as like a, a teacher in school it's your curriculum uh it's it's how you decide to break things up and every level kind of requires you to periodize your sessions different i know we might talk about it later but a college coach's periodization plan might look different than an academy's periodization plan um, and even with us like within our academy um kind of our pre-academy U12 up to U15, we kind of have a, a developmental periodization plan. And then your U17s up would be kind of your performance-based as they're kind of forming into that professional um, schedule. Um, and, and for me, making those, they look completely different. Um, but um, I guess as a goalkeeper coach, it's kind of how you run through your topics, making sure you meet the demands of the individual goalkeepers with their IDP plans, but also um, making sure you're hitting all the topics that you want to. So. See, I love the fact you just brought up IDP plans because that was the, the, I, I, that's another coach talk one right there that uh, I, I've said that before to people and they like, they're like, I don't know what you're talking about in any way whatsoever. Can you just break down? I thought you just like train kids. Isn't that what you do? It sounds very, very fancy what you're talking about right there. Um, so let's, let's, let's talk about that in, in regards to the periodization because um, we, we talked about, you're talking about the different sections and everything like that. Um, Saskia, what, what has been your issues in the past with periodization? Uh, and I, I mean, honestly, just asking you uh, as we get into this topic, because this is going to be a very different periodization program for people than they're used to. 
You just keep saying that word because you just know the word. Because I'm just, I'm trying to, it, it's like, a, it's like a trigger, it's like a trigger word. It's By the like, way, it's do, like, do yeah, you I'm doing a Twitch. <laughs> like, I'm no, just like, I, don't, I don't have any problem with periodization or anything. I just hate the word. It's just, I hear it over and over and over again. Like, it's, trust me, and um, it just, I don't even know what to say. Like, okay. let's, <laughs> yes, every, every goalkeeper needs to, and every coach needs to set up a curriculum and uh, for every age group and every different level of keepers that they have. You can't just technically wing it. Um, you can. I mean, you know, but, you know, if you have a, a beginning, middle, and end and, and a process in mind where you want these players to reach and um, how that affects and works with the team in itself, like that's several different steps. It's, it, it's not only are you working on certain things the goalkeepers need to work on in a progressive manner, um, but you have to work that into whatever the team's curriculum is and, um, and so, so it's, it's a multi-step process. So I, I want to ask Omar here because I saw Omar's been starting to post because he's he's uh, having some sessions, uh, staying safe, staying safe, but uh, but but starting to have uh, some some sessions in uh, in areas where it is okay to do it. Um, are you finding first off because you're in a very different boat than Darren, for instance, or Saskia, you know, who, who are at kind of an established clubs, so you're doing more of a, a private training type of situation. Are you finding everyone's kind of at a different level right now and it's making it very difficult to put together a session, like a template of sessions? Uh, I mean, for the most part, I'll text the kids before and say, hey, you know, how was your fitness? Uh, have you continuously you know, been hitting the ground? Do you have any goalkeeper fitness uh, related exercises that you've done throughout this quarantine? If not, have you stayed in shape by doing some uh, anaerobic stuff or like, you know, doing some long distance running. And if they say, yeah, I have a decent foundation of it, then I say, okay, at least we can go from there. And I don't have to necessarily, I can obviously understand that you're probably going to be a little bit slower and the feet are going to be a little bit heavier, but I have an idea of where your baseline is and we can build from there. So I had a session yesterday, uh, division one goalkeeper. And he was like, yeah, I just want handling. I want handling and I want some shot stopping and game realistic, uh, uh, game realistic pictures. So I said, okay, the majority of the beginning was just obviously handling to his hands, getting, getting, him, getting him comfortable. And then once I got past that point, then we started getting things a little bit inside the bubble and slowly outside. And then it was just an easy progression once we stepped into actual, to the actual shot stopping where he saw a lot of the same exact uh, movements and kind of you know, patterns of how I shot the ball and uh, where I was shooting from. So for me, it was just about getting an understanding of where they are physically. And then once their you know, baseline is at a certain point, can we slowly start pushing them past that point? But I didn't want to come in, obviously, guns a blazing like how I normally do when I have these kids once, twice a week and batter them with shots or batter them with, you know, expectations of, you know, midseason form. So getting that, you know, constant communication, that clear communication with them early on prior to the session was important. So now we're on the same page and, um, again, have them having a buy-in to, uh, to, to what the session was about. Darren, how, how about are you guys going about it there? Because how, many, how long have you guys uh, started training again? What, it's been about a week? Yeah. And again, that's, that's like the, the first team's probably been in maybe two weeks now, two, three weeks, maybe two weeks. Um, and then our second team, again, same, same deal. Our academy's still off. Um, so uh, kind of different on our end. But. Yeah. Um, now what about, what about says like you were talking about Omar, you were talking about, you know, not expecting the same, the same level of fitness. And, and well, I just, like I just that. had that conversation with, with, you know, our keepers, look, this is something we've all never gone through before. You know, we, we can't, we can't um, gauge that week by week like we can when we're on the field with them and we see them. 
And so even when the UCLA keepers come back in, I think they're going to walk in the front door. I'm going to put them through the beat test or something. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like we have to gauge where they are and we have to slowly rebuild a certain amount of underlying fitness that has been lost. And I don't care. I know you got, I know everybody's at home and they're training their hearts out. I know. But we all know there's a difference between being in practice and seeing multiple shots from multiple, multiple different players, playing small-sided games, 1v1s, this and that and the that we can't re- replicate at home. So we've got to take our time. We have to it's, – it's a new kind of situation we're dealing with here, and you've got to see where everybody's at. We know they have a baseline. I agree with Omar. Like, you know, we're trying to find what their baseline is as an athlete and their fitness and everything like that, but then we've got to – kind of kind of rework the periodization from there <laughs> yeah and i think i think it's come on no to go ahead omar no i think it's also obviously like uh, saskia's good having those like realistic expectations of what your goalkeeper can and can't do and for me it's like for example yesterday the session that i ran one of the goalkeepers uh or one of the goalkeepers the goalkeeper that i trained there were two or three balls that went down to his lower right and he got two hands on him but it steered him straight into the goal and my expectation was, yes, you're going to be a little bit slow. Your, your muscle memory is not going to be there with the legs. You're going to be exhausted. It's probably 30, 40 minutes into the session. So maybe can I skew my coaching point from being critical to actually like, hey, look, I understand where you are. But remember, when you're not at full capacity in terms of your goalkeeper fitness, can we really emphasize the mini details of seeing the ball all the way through, keeping that hand-eye coordination and, you know, really getting back to the basics. So I think as, as much as it is for our session structure, to be you know, skewed in a certain way, our communication and what we decide to break down and what we, when we decide to stop our sessions is equally as important. Um, and I think, again, I, I, we, I'm sure all of us, you know, we have certain expectations for ourselves and for our goalkeepers in those sessions. But it's just for me, just biting my tongue at certain moments where I'm like, ah, I know that if I say something here, I just will lose their interest because now they're going to be completely uh, diving into their own errors and their own mistakes and why am I not where I need to be. And then throughout the session, I'm going to lose them and all my points that I really do want to make that are important for them. It's going to be, you know, going in one year out the other. So I think, again, it's a very selective communication. And then from there, obviously, making sure that the goalkeepers understand that the expectation that we had prior, we're going to slowly build back up to. Yes, agreed. Yeah, one thing, I, one thing I've noticed, and by the way, I think one of the really cool things about the fact that the Bundesliga came back before a lot of the other professional leagues are or just, just any sort of live soccer going on again is that it's kind of giving us kind of a – a, a basis of what, what to expect. And even at the youth level in regards to goalkeepers, I mean, I was talking earlier with Omar about how in the 67th minute for Hertha Berlin, uh, uh, Runa Jarstein, who's one of the better keepers in the Bundesliga had a, an error, which you would never really see at this point of the season in the Bundesliga, um, which was a very simple for a lack of a better term, I'd call it a preseason type error, just because you're not used to the speed of play. You haven't been, been around it in a game-like situation where it's just a simple ball coming in on a cutback. Um, Patrick Schick hit, hit the shot from the left foot outside of his bubble and he goes down to the ball, but instead of trying to parry it, uh, he tries to catch it, but his hand shape is just such that I don't know if anybody can see right here, but my shape, but my hands are like this. Um, rather than that, that full containment type, type of shape. And because of that, because of the way that he approached his shoot at the ball, his back shoulder was back, so his power shoulder was back, and it, it, he just made a whole mess of it, and the ball slipped wow, his hands like me. into the goal. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what Mike, about- I think, uh, no, to, to, to that point, though, I think, again, it's, it's even obviously having played the position for as long as we have and coming back from a layover, vacation, off-season in college, once we come back in, have had we not if we hadn't been getting those not gamer like uh game realistic 
shots, but more so the speed of the play is not the same. We're going to be snatching at a lot of things. And if you see it at this game right here, his hand-eye coordination was slightly off. And he almost like he panicked once he had the ball spill a little bit. And then he swung his arm back and slapped it into his own goal. So it was just like a, it's one of the situations where like midseason, no issues there. Easily probably going to just knock it down. He's going to you know, have a presence of mind to pick it back up. Because of this, I think he just kind of panicked and then swung his arm back and slapped it into the goal. So I think, again, that, ha- that can be attributed a lot to uh, being on a long layoff and not having those uh, game speed shots week in and week out. By the way, Omar, I'm really impressed about the fact that you literally were able to find that clip that quickly. Like, we're literally, I'm literally <laughs> bringing it up and you're like, beep, beep, there it is. No, no, I have it. I have it. I, I've seen oh. it already. I saw, I saw it earlier today. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's what I'm saying, though. And Darren, I want to ask you this question, too, and Saskia as well. And, and it's just like, at what point as a coach, are you making, okay, look, I know it's been a long layover, but there's expectations that you have to meet and that's not acceptable. Like, I'm sure you're walking those fine lines with those little pieces of communication throughout every session, right? Yeah. Well, unlike you, I haven't seen any players yet. <laughs> we'll talk about that off air. <laughs> but uh, no, go ahead, Darren. No, I was just going to say, Omar, I think one of the points that stuck out to me that you made was there's naturally going to be um, – kind of a re-entry phase with your players. Um, and one of the things you have to recognize is everyone's going to be at a different place. Um, one of the things I've said with our guys is at the end of the day, they might not be as sharp as they should, but their fitness should be where it should be. Um, and then one of the blessings of this this time is for you to refine skills that you may not work on. Like we've been sitting down and having tactical discussions and um maybe this is an opportunity for, for kids to work on their IDP plans. We've, we've gone through IDP plans with each, each player and recognizing, Hey, what, what do you have at your disposal right now? Um, and what can you do in terms of your individual development? Um, as a club, like we, we've provided them with, with, in my opinion, more than enough, it's a delicate balance, right? You want to provide the guys with enough resources and kind of zoom calls, um, keep them engaged and, and keep them ticking. But at the same time, you can't overload them too. Um, I think myself, I would say I have a tendency that, look, we're training every single day. So why can't we have a Zoom call every single day? And things like that. Um, it's finding that balance. But once you jump back into the sessions, um, I don't think your standard needs to drop. Um, it's For me, it's the way you communicate it. And that's the point for me that, that you hit was the big one. I, I think you don't let their standard drop, but the way that you communicate it, uh, it might look different. Um, and saying, look, that's, you know, I expect you to hold that save or push it into a good area, but the way you convey that message, recognizing that they might still be in a re-entry phase, maybe you say it in a certain manner, but then as you amp it up, you're still hitting that standard, but then it's communicated in a different way. Um, I think yeah, I, no, I mean, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with you. I feel that if you have number one, if you have that fitness space, we can work from there. I don't want you to come back into camp and I got to get you fit. Okay. Cause that I need, we need that time as coaches to get your timing, your hands, your, your fast twitch muscles and everything else. So no, you better come in fit. You know, the one thing you can do is be fit. And that just doesn't mean, and when I say that, I don't mean, you should be able to run a marathon tomorrow. I mean, 
I mean, your anaerobic, anaerobic's got to be fit. Like, get up, get down, get up, get down. There's no reason. Like, I know it, not at the intensity that we train, but I still know. I told you guys this last week. I want my goalkeepers hitting the ground. They have, Their bodies can't go through that shock where all of a sudden we get back in and we're in a small-sided game and we're doing 1v1s and you haven't hit the ground in three months. Like, hit the ground. Like, go jump off the stairs and land on the ground. Do whatever you have to do, but hit the ground. Um I also think that my mentality moving into what I'm going to have to deal with is going to have to be smaller sets and sharper, sharper sets. Because where my where I would like it would be like, okay, you've got six reps. I want them sharp, quick, with everything you have. I don't, like I said, I don't want to have to get you fit through this. I want you to focus on technique, tactics, and, and quality, and then I can build up to longer sets and longer reps and everything from there instead of going okay you know here we're gonna do 12 12 reps and then the seventh rep they're dying and and everything goes to crap like i'd rather have sharp 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 and then build it up as as the days and weeks go on and get there that would be my mentality i, I yeah, like a lot of things oh go ahead I just want to build off of uh, what Darren was saying earlier about kind of dressing your, dressing your communication up in a way where it's obviously you have the same expectation, but how you word it and how you uh, frame it is obviously in a way where the expectation is slowly going to you know, build back to where it is. But I think it's also to build off that point, it's kind of an opportunity for us as coaches, as well as the goalkeepers we're training to, like we said earlier, get them back to the basics, but not just remembering the basics, but can they verbalize the basics? Like for example, uh, yesterday, instead of me giving Derek the answer of like, hey, you know, your hand-eye coordination was off because you didn't see it all the way through because you're so used to it being automatic. I could have asked him, hey, so tell me the issue of where you are in mid-season form to where you are now. What caused that mistake? What caused that goal? And now they're having a reverse engineer in their own head of like, oh, you know what? I didn't see it all the way through because I'm just so used to sticking an arm down. And that's it. I'm, I, there's no issues. So I think if we can, like, build it, like Darren said, is find a way to not only say it in a right way but flip it so like now they're having to think and as Darren said I keep saying his name but as Darren said uh the tactical approach can we really like fine-tune those tactics so that once the physical and the physique is up to speed the tactics are at the same exact level and now we're you know we're, we're having a unified message along both of those lines I think one thing that, you know, and one of the reasons why I, I called this periodization post-quarantine is because I really do think it's very similar to having to come up with a game plan for how are you going to approach all these goalkeepers coming from different certain positions. But it's no different, really, Sask, right? That like in, in college or, or Omar preseason, when you can tell pretty quickly who, who spent the summer uh, working. 100%. And you have to look at it like that. Number one, it's like everybody's coming in as a freshman. <laughs> like, you know, although I would think that if you were going into your senior year, you definitely know the level you should be at coming in. But, okay, you've been gone for four months, and it's been on you. Now, other than our Zoom calls and other than, um, you know, I, I meet with our keepers every week, like when I can every week and blah, 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 and then team meetings and stuff. But knowing you – knowing how to train and 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 when they come in i have to see i have to see where are my the freshmen's coming in i have to see where our our other and my upperclassmen are coming in and and if they're ready and then base everything on that i mean there's going to be a standard period i don't care i don't care if you've been on the moon 
perform performance. <laughs> There's standard. I really hope somebody's been on the moon. I really hope someone was so concerned about quarantine <laughs> they left the planet. Imagine that and that's Oscar, I think I think that's a, that's a huge point. That's a huge point that you're making though, because I think I mean, for example, I'll use myself. When I was younger, I was the kind of guy who would come into preseason in decent shape, but needing that preseason to get myself in shape. I remember my right. freshman year, I came in completely out of shape, thinking from all the stories that from my friends who had played in college, like that first two weeks is going to be hell, and that's when you get in shape. So my mentality was, oh, I'm chilling the whole summer. So once I step into the preseason, that's when I'm going to get in shape. I played, I think, 12 games that season. And by the end of the season, my body had broken down because I didn't have Absolutely. foundation. But it said, but it, I, I mean, I wouldn't tell my coaches this, but I'm sure they understood <laughs> them seeing me as I got older and older and older, being exposed from coming back from winter vacation one time. It was like winter quarter. I came back like 20 pounds overweight because I was like, ah, I had a good fall season, whatever, I'll chill. I went on a vacation. Again, I I I ate a lot. I came back and I literally, I couldn't train the first three weeks of training with the team. They put me inside the gym doing bicycle workouts with our other coach, our goalkeeper coach, who was, he was trying to get in shape too. So it was just like, they, they, they wait, saw that you only were able to use the bicycle. That was it. By my, was, they said my goalkeeper coach, myself. I remember vividly, vividly. He came up to us <laughs> on our first, our first like 7am scrimmage. And he came up to me, he said, you understand that like, this is your only training session for the next month. Right. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, we've, we've discussed and you need to lose about 20 pounds and there's no way that you're going to step on this field again until you do. You'll get hurt. First and of I, all, you'll get hurt. Say, True. Like you'll, you're going to injure yourself, bottom line, or your body will fall apart at some point because your your body's not used to carrying the extra weight. You're not flexible. You're not, you're not there. And if you're asking your body to do something in your mind you think you can do that and your body is not ready for it, you will get hurt. Yeah. And so, look, I mean, look, I'm, I'm – I'm spoiled because there's no way in hell that I would ever walk into into residency with the national team thinking, oh, I'll get in shape while I'm here before the world. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Tony and them would be like, yeah, here's your plane ticket home. <laughs> you know? We we played at different levels, but it's but what I, what I, what the point I was trying to make, Mike, on that is that I think this quarantine and like everyone coming back into uh, into the team setting and all that stuff it's going to give us coaches the ability to have those honest conversations with those goalkeepers and say look your priorities and your planning and there are certain habits that you had during this quarantine that obviously did not did not line up with your aspirations of being a professional goalkeeper or a division one goalkeeper and we need to have those honest conversations now just like my goalkeeper coach had with me after my freshman year he laid into me and said you have aspirations to play like you're you're fat you're out of shape you have no a uh, sense of understanding of a, a planning outside of our team structure. So there, I'm being I'm being real with you. There's no chance you're going to play professionally. Yeah. And I mean, well, I yeah, he was right. But that's what I'm saying. Like, this is a good opportunity again with the communication, not just on the field but off the field. Of like, look, you came in out of shape. Like, what what kind of a message do you think that sends yeah. to me, your teammates, the head coach? Like, do you take it, this seriously? And yeah. then from there, they have to like reverse, under really understand specifically what their goals are. I can tell you right now with one of my one of my keepers. I already know she's like ridiculously fit, probably fitter than I've ever, I, I haven't known her that long, probably fitter than she's ever been. I know she dropped 15 pounds. She's my starting keeper. I know that she has been working her ass off, whether she's goalkeeper, like really, 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 but I know she's fit. And I know she's done her due diligence to walk back in here this summer and be ready to, to you know, take it to the top and win a national championship. And I'm aware of that. And the other keepers, I've talked to them as well, but like you said, you can't, it's going to be interesting because it, it's not all going to be like that. 
I don't know. Like, what if, you know, the freshman comes in 20 pounds overweight because she doesn't know how to train on her own. And she doesn't have that. I'm not saying that. that that's who it is. I'm just giving a hypothetical. I'm pretty sure I know her and she'll come in fit as hell. But I'm just saying, like, we don't know. But it, it's... It's, it is a time. Darren can attest, being with an academy, it's going to be some interesting conversations with people. This is, I, 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 oh, you go, ahead, go ahead, Darren. I was just going to say that, I mean, that's one of the biggest messages that we've said to our guys is, as coaches, this is an opportunity for us to really see who has kind of that intrinsic drive to them. Um, there are pieces, you, you, I'm sure you guys have seen as well, like you come across goalkeepers who are good goalkeepers, but they don't have that... Um, kind of DNA to them where if they don't have the structure of a normal training session or things like that, you really quickly, and I see it with my guys. I mean, I've, I think I'm up to like 15 or 16 goalkeepers throughout our age group. You can see a big difference to which guys I would identify on our kind of pro pathway based on their engagement over this time. Yes. We're providing them with resources to try and keep them at a certain level, but like Still I said, up to you. Yeah, at the end of the day, you can see which kids are just doing it to do it, just to kind of get by with what the coach's expectations are. Check off the box. Yeah, and but then you can also see the kids who are like, hey, it's the same thing as coaches. Like, we want to be back on the field, but let's utilize what's going on right now and better ourselves, whether that as coaches is watching film, planning sessions, the goalkeeper should be doing the exact same thing. And you can quickly realize which kids – are most serious about it and want to be pros and which ones don't. And that's, that's an, an academy environment as well. Like when you ask every single kid at an MLS Academy, what their goal is, I almost guarantee you every single one says, I want to be a pro, but then you can visit that and be like, if you want to be a pro, do your actions during this time. Right. What you're telling me. And it is a good Testament. And I tell my club kids that I'm like, you can go through the motions guys. You know, you can technically do your technique app or you can do your wall work. Um, I'm not standing over your shoulder. Your parents aren't standing over your shoulder. Um, you know, we have our virtual training sessions and stuff. It's hard for me to tell. It's like Sesame Street. Ten kids are doing ten different things and <laughs> Mike's been on the Sesame line. Street. Like, you got a server. You got a wall. You don't have one. You got this. It's like a debacle. So it's like, but at the end of the day, what are you doing? Like, what? how hard are you working? And if you come to me, like you have to deal with Darren and say, this is my, my path is I want to be a pro soccer player. Well, that comes from the inside as well. We can give you all the tools and we can give you the facilities and the coaches and everything like that. But when you're quiet, when things are quiet, like they are right now, the past three months, when, when it's just you and a ball and a wall or whatever, how hard do you, how bad do you want it? I, I want to talk about this right now. I want to get keep on that youth element tip um, right now because we just got a, a honestly a question from a, from a youth player right here. And uh, uh, Marie, we will get to you uh, in a second, but uh, really really quickly, I want, I want to talk about the injury aspect because I think one of the things that's being lost a lot and and you know um, Saskia, I think you brought up the whole hitting the ground type of thing. I know personally myself, I went and tried to hit, yeah. I, I mean, I've been trying to hit the ground a couple of weeks ago, and people are like, "Why are you?" doing that but i'm like because i want to go back and play too and i i went down to hit the ground and oh boy it did not feel the same just because i've been doing it lineman in football is gonna after lockdown and quarantine where all he's been doing is like running on a treadmill and lifting weights maybe doing like deadlifts and stuff like that um 
not that I'm taking anything away from linemen in football or a wide receiver or running back, and then all of a sudden you're going to jump into practice and you haven't taken a hit? You haven't taken a hit from a 350-pound guy at full force? You're, you're, you're going to wake up next week. So you've got to train your body for what you do. So, so that's, that's a question that I have for, for all you guys here is in regards to, because personally, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is in regards to goalkeepers that I'm working with. At what point do I, do I encourage contact? At what point do I say, you know what, we're, we're going to ease until your body's able to handle it? Because this, this is uncharted territory. It's one thing to say professionals go back out there. They get, they get fit in a couple of weeks. They got great trainers, everything like that. Um, even, even you, Darren, you know, at, the, at, you know, at Sporting KC, you know, with, with the academy, you're still dealing with kids, you know, who've, who've been away. And now they're coming back. Like, how concerned are you that kids are going to start dropping like flies um, because, of, because of the way their bodies are? Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of our um, strength coaches at, at the club actually sent me, I don't know, I haven't checked like, the validity of it, but. Um, when with the Bundesliga starting up, they track the number of indus, or injuries that were muscular since huh? they started. And it, it was exponentially bigger yeah. than throughout the course of the season. So I think one of the challenges, both as a goalkeeping staff, but then that kind of ties into the strength and conditioning and, and that piece is you, you have to start to bring in that re-entry phase in a smart way. You have to realize that these kids haven't hit the ground a thousand, like we are hitting the ground and things like that and doing what we can with the space. But like you guys have said, it, it, it doesn't replicate game, game realistic. So like one of the things that we've done with, with our USL guys is like the first few session back, sessions back, you, you recognize like, what does the workload need to be? It doesn't mean the standard drops or anything like that but maybe your movement within the goal doesn't, it, it's more handling based where you, you're taking a volley here and it's readjusting to an angle to collect the front smothers, whatever it may be. Um, and then as you progress, the movement across the goal is more, the number of reps are more, but the standard of the session won't drop. Um, but I think this is one of the things that we'll, we'll struggle with. And honestly, I don't know what, what will happen kind of the first month or two back when I get my guys is, right you kind of have this expectation of like, well, I hope something doesn't happen, but realistically the risk is going to be higher. And I think if you, all you can do as coaches is plan your sessions so that you're progressing in a, in a proper way. And then you, everyone has different, different resources to them is using the strength and conditioning coaches and making sure that they're doing the right things and tracking their, um, their progress and, and doing everything we can on the front end. But the problem is, at the end of the day, that won't stop them from getting injured. It's, it's part of it. Um, yeah, but I think that for my biggest fear is, and we can all attest to this being goalkeeper coaches, is that here I am I'm to try to, here we are to try to do our due diligence and to slowly progress into, like you said, whether it's like a slow progression into handling, into front smother, into a collapse dive, into stuff but under control. So you're slowly training your body, training your body, and then more dynamic as it goes on and goes on, more explosive, more explosive as it goes on. But here I have my, have my keepers for 30 minutes, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're in a drill where the field players are doing some godforsaken God shooting drill that's, like, not, like, conducive to, like, reintegrating my goalkeepers into 
their bodies and style, like part of me is going to have to sit back and be like, guys, you got to do this without the keepers. I need a week or two. I need to see if you, if you shove my keepers in a near far slot right away <laughs> with no defense, we're going to lose our keepers. And yeah. I truly, I truly believe that. And that's a conversation that I'm going to have to have with the coaching staff and we're going to have to tweak our practices so that it's, it's not, you can't, you can't just say, here's a keeper now go fly everywhere and go throw yourself at, we have to be, smart about this that's that's something that is making me think in regards to not only just uh youth coaches with regards to goalkeeper coaches but also like team coaches too and they're going to have to be smart too in regards to what type of activities because the game speed is not going to be there and and that that is that is the one thing that i think we we need to discuss that omar i'm sure even you were recognizing you know when you started training these these keepers uh you know privately is that their speed of play, maybe it's not even just their, their, their mind speed, but their, their body reaction speed isn't there. The rhythm's not there. And because the rhythm's not there, you're going to have field players who are going to be overstriding or they're going to be cutting here or they're going to they hit a ball too hard here or whatever. They're not going to have control of their body in a 1v1 as the keeper's coming at right. them. And that, that's, that's where my concern is. You have to think about that because the keeper's going to be awkward. The timing's going to be off. You're not going at game speed. And sometimes and it's, sometimes when you don't do stuff at game speed, it, accidents are going to happen. Yeah. Like when you're like, eh, you know, um, it's going to be a bit of a debacle. In my yeah. yeah. I think one so, of the things that it, I guess it will be a small blessing in disguise when you, we've noticed it with our like first team in USL guys is you're not going to be going into – small group like you're not going to be playing small sided you know so you almost have a this is one thing we talked about where we were thinking hey you know risk of injury is going to be higher maybe these guys might not be fresh but the, the reality of this situation i think we're going to have time with them like with our usl guys who we've been working with we've gone in and and had time with them sure there might be like patterns to go but how you know the regulations and what what we're allowed to do in a team setting um you know it's not like you're you're seeing a lot of game realistic reps where you're playing so to, um, and that, and and to be fair to your point was i was thinking the exact same thing i was thinking what happens when we throw them into small side and they're not at where they need to be but i think how things are going to progress is you're going to have time with your goalkeepers yes you'll maybe be incorporated like there's sessions where the team doesn't even use the goalkeepers. Oh, the reality of it is like, if they're not doing patterns to goal or like building out the back, like there's not a whole lot that the team's going to be doing with them. Um, a lot of it is like individual fitness right. with the players and technical base. They kind of say, look, this is a time period for you to get, get your keepers going again. And then hopefully as, as the phase, the re-entry phases go on, we'll still have that foundation that we've built with them based on how this yeah. is on that when we get into small side and things like that, hopefully we're at that point where they've hit the ground, their bodies are used to it, they're back, right. kind of closer to the game speed, and then you introduce the, the realism of the game. I mean, obviously you have that in your sessions, but then you introduce the field players to that. Uh, Omar, I want to come back to what you were saying in regards to when you were talking to the, the D1 keeper um, in regards to how to approach things. And we, we discussed language quite a bit. Um, and Darren, you'd said something earlier in regards to recognizing certain, certain things going on in your session, but not actually vocalizing them, not verbalizing them to your goalkeepers, more like putting them in your mindset in a database so that you, you're aware of it or whatever, but 
you don't want to, you don't want to affect the session. So, um, Omar, what, what I want to know of you is you're doing more of a privates as opposed to, you know, being with a, a, a professional, an academy or with a college or whatever. Do you go about that the same way? Like, cause there's a lot of people who are listening to this who are, who are private coaches. They, they, they run their private academies and, and they're not a, a college coach and, and, and youth club is kind of its own animal in its own. So what do yeah, you I think it's, it's, um, I mean, if anybody watches any of my sessions, you know that I'm very fast paced. Like I, I don't have very much patience on and off the field. So I'm just go, 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 go to try and get these goalkeepers to, uh, obviously they pay me a certain amount of a certain amount. So I want them to, in my head is like, I need to show them that what they're paying is justified. And I, I need to like, make sure that they get the constant reps that I feel they deserve. So sometimes that lack of patience can really hurt the goalkeepers that I work with because of a lack of, of, Hey, let's actually have a conversation about what just happened versus me throwing you in to do another rep to see if we can fix it. So I think for me and for any young coaches out there who are stepping into kind of like the grassroots game or, you know, uh, doing private sessions, it's just be patient. Don't as much as we want our goalkeepers not to have the same expectations of themselves when they train us as coaches have to do the exact same thing of we have an expectation of moving at a certain pace, but can we see how we can give our goalkeepers a little bit of a bigger break, but not let that break just be an idle, idle break, but an actual conversation or can we work on a different piece of their game the social aspect the tactical side of things so for me that's been the biggest uh, piece for me is just understanding how can I get something out of the goalkeepers without challenging their bodies too much and then be patient enough to when I get them on their fifth or sixth session back now I have an idea of where they are physically and their rhythm is coming back and their strength is coming back and uh, the little actions that we're asking of their body physically are back up to speed so I think that's probably my best advice for anybody out there and from my own experiences at least but look look one thing I, w- I want to bring up here before we get back to Darren here is that a lot of times, and we, we discussed this again on Monday is that goalkeepers are trying to appease the goalkeeper coach. They're trying to satisfy us rather than recognize that we're there for their benefit. So what I'm worried about, like Darren is like, you know, you're working, you're working with youth players, you know, who are very high level youth players who want to be pros and they want to show you their pros. So they're going to come out that first session and they're going to they're going to go no I want another rep I want another another more cuz kids think more is more is better they 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 can't understand you know uh pace right yeah i mean I, I, i'm probably guilty of it as well like i when I, both when i played and i see with our kids i don't i've always been on the side of you know if if kids want extra reps or if i always one of the things that i see is like i'm sure Omar, if you you've done it as well as like say you finish on a poor rep but you don't handle clean you you, you want to finish on a good one or something i depending on the situation i usually let the goalkeeper take that extra rep um but if they're just taking reps to take reps um especially kind of in this re-entry phase uh depending on what the session plan is and the allotted time that we have with them um i might knock it down but to be fair like I guess I'm the kind of goalkeeper coach where if a goalkeeper wants extra reps and it works in the session, I have no problem with it. Um, but one of the, one of the things that I've learned and obviously I'm new in my my coaching journey, um, I've kind of taken my, my coaching talk based on what I liked and what I didn't like. Um, you have your, your goalkeeper coaches who are just kind of giving you like the hairdryer treatment and things like that like Omar said, like, these are good moments to, to have the kids facilitate their own learning. What's um, a hairdryer treatment? You know, like, you're, I got you're, it. 
Oh, that was a new one. I like. No, it. I, I honestly didn't know, but I was just gonna nod my head and be like, yeah, "Sure, no, why like not? Maybe that's a Canadian. Maybe that's a Canadian thing. I don't know." I might have to use this one. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like your classic, like your two 0 down Manchester United. Like Fergie walks in halftime talk, and he's just like, "Let's lose." Hair drags, and where hair is going back because he's yelling at you so much. Yeah, gotcha. Um, but, uh, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. No, I like that. <laughs> but one of the things that one of the things that I I look to do is, and I, I think Omar, this is kind of the, the point you're making is, one of the things as coaches, the way we we communicate it, it, it and a lot of it is like question based. We find with kids at a certain level, they know the answers. Like when I'm working with one of our U15 goalkeepers, I don't need to tell him like, hey, that's you help. Or things like like you get to a certain level where you know the standard and you know what it looks like. So then you start to talk through the the technical side of things. It's like, hey, okay, why do why do you feel like you maybe didn't get your hand down quick enough? Like, or did you feel like you were set in that moment? Or asking them to kind of facilitate it. And I don't think it's any different with this re-entry phase because there's gonna be moments where they're not as sharp. But if you just give them the answers and be like, hey. You're moving across the goal wasn't quick enough. You weren't set when it happened. It doesn't help. Them. I know you're giving them. It's like, it's like a teacher. You give them the answer on the test, but it doesn't facilitate their learning. And it doesn't cause them to lose patience with you. And especially with the younger kids, if you're facilitating that and encouraging the kids to be like, Hey, why did that go wrong? Why am I not as sharp as I normally would be? As long as they can identify it, then you can work to build off of it. Um, yeah, I don't know what we've talked about. We, uh, we've talked about that. One of the best parts of coaching and teaching is when you hit that level with your kids and they, you can turn and say, Finn, and him being like, sorry, my body weight was back. I was on my heels. I didn't get my hands to the ball fast enough. Like, I, I don't, if you can tell me, then I'm doing my job, you know? So now let's work on fixing it. And so I agree with you with the reentry thing. Yeah, we, we're going to have to be patient and stuff because you know, your mind's there, but your body might not be. But if they know and they can tell you, then, then we're in a great position. And I agree with you. Mike, uh, go ahead, Omar. No, I think also one thing that I've noticed too is I've, I've been filming a lot of my sessions as I usually do, but now I'm actually No, you, know, you never film sessions. No what way. are you talking about? <laughs> Well, no, I'm, I'm like breaking. Usually, I, I keep it in like a hard drive, and I have it there just you know for the future. But with with these guys, right when I finish the session, I go straight home. I upload it, and I try to see specifically you know what my goal was for the session, and then what we got out of the session based off of my you know session uh, session structure. So, for example, with like I had Jamie uh, back for our first session, and she told me, yeah, I have a little bit of a foundation of you know working out for the last few weeks, and I feel good. So I said, okay, you know, let's, let's work on uh, some shot stopping and, and making sure that you can get, you know, get your body used to hitting the ground again. But at the end of it, I want to do some crossing as well, because in the past, prior to quarantine, I knew that you had some issues with crossing. So we ran the session. The first like 20 minutes were absolutely like dreadful. The field, the, the, the grass was like up to the ankles. I was like shooting low balls to her. And by the time I got to her, it was going like half the speed that it left my foot. So right away, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go straight to crossing. So at least we get something out of this. So I adapted quick, went to crossing and I probably hit about 60 crosses to her. And there was so much good footage of her misreading crosses. Jamie, taking the Jamie? ticket. Huh? Jamie, Jamie. Yeah. Jamie, Jamie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So just I heard her misreading crosses, her mistiming things. And I, I we love got how up. you said there's so much great footage of her misreading. <laughs> <crosses>. <laughs> First of all, if I, try, if I try to kick 60 crosses right now, 
I would be out for a week. <laughs> oh, I didn't train. I didn't. I didn't train for a week. My groin, my hamstring. I forgot that I was. I forgot that I hadn't trained in months. Let's be honest. We we you know we we're gonna have an issue too. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think again that that was that was to me the important uh, side of it was like we're being realistic with the session's not gonna go for me at least. It was like adapting. Like, okay, this session's not gonna go as planned like I wanted it to because maybe I'm trying to do and implement way too many like new things that I heard from coaches and webinars and stuff. So what's like the one thing that I can take out of this session without killing her body and without essentially just hurting both of us by, you know, putting her through drills where she's like, there were times where she's like guessing and leaning and moving. And it was like, I'm telling you where the ball's going, but the ball's also going like 20, 20 miles an hour less than it should be going. So let's actually just like take a step back and get to like the, the substance that we can get out of the session. So peeled it back a little bit. We got a lot from the crosses. I sent her the footage and within the session now she's actually gained hopefully some substantial information about her starting points, uh, her initial step where she goes, can she be more patient? So again, telling the, what I'm trying to say is like certain goalkeeper coaches, when you go out there, the session's not going to be pretty right away, but if you have an idea of what, what it is that you can kind of uh, uh, get to with the goalkeepers is kind of expose certain weaknesses that they've had if you've worked with them in the past. Kind of revert to that. So at least you're getting the the tactical side of things and the footage is there to show them like this is what it looks like. Now when you actually get back to full speed, can we implement these little tips and tricks that we've learned from the you know, first session back? Well, I think you brought up a good point that we have to discuss. All you like weekend warriors or all you um, goalkeeper coaches out there that have been as bored as a lot of us have and have watched all these things on the internet and webinars and this and that and are just biting at the bit to get back in there, like slow, slow it, you know, yeah. like go back to basics because number one, like I said, you'll probably be on a stretcher by the end of the week yourselves. But number two, we get it. We, we all want to get back in there and we want to go full. We all, we're all, we're all biting at the bit for that. But I agree. Like, slow it down. Go back to basics. Like, you had to go just to crosses with Trini. Awesome. Which she needs to work on. Um, hi, Jane. Um, and, and stuff. But, but good. You know, slow it down. It doesn't have to be everything. You don't have to have some monumental session, your first sh- session back with, like, you know, collapse dives and, and, and breakaways and crosses and everything. Slow it down, everybody. Slow it down. You know, let's just get our bodies back to where they need to be. I, you know, you, you guys brought up something that I didn't even think about whatsoever. Um, and just, you know, I love it when my, I get those like mind blown type experiences on the, sh- on the show. But, uh, but basically was, what do goalkeeper coaches need to do to get themselves ready to get back on the field? <laughs> no, no, because I, I, didn't even, I didn't even thought about that, that fact. Because the thing is, is that like, yeah, some people have been staying fit, but they haven't been staying goalkeeper coach fit. And we know what a goal, goalkeeper coach fit is, and that's that's hip flexibility. Look at that's hip mobility. Omar just rolling. He's like, oh god, no. Do not do not hit sixty crosses. But I think it's 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 tough though because I think yeah from from both sides and like you know I think the the, the essentially essentially the point of all of this is that making sure that the patience and the big picture is there. And I'm sure Darren, cause you have, you know, I don't know how many days of the week you have your goalkeepers, but understanding the big picture of like, we're not trying to take, you know, one big bite at this. We're trying to take little increments to get you back to get back, get you guys back to where you need to be. So I kind of understanding that and reverse engineering from that final goal and understanding that your session structure should, should align to that. And the periodization should align to what you eventually want to get to. 
that should be the number one thing. And especially for coaches as well, your organization is really going to be tested. How organized are you prior to your sessions? How, how organized are you to even have that, you know, uh, feedback with the, with the players and like have those conversations with the players after before training sessions, those text message uh, exchanges with them and say, Hey, how are you feeling? What, what, what do you think we can do? And I know Saskia, I mean, uh, uh, Darren, you've, you've coached in college as well. No, I, uh, I went like straight from playing professionally into this role. So, Okay. Well, I mean, in, in college, we have the same exact thing. And you've played in college, so, I mean, you have an idea of when the starting goalkeeper, we have a game on a Monday, the next game's on a Wednesday, we're texting them that night and saying, hey, how's your body feeling? Or even, you know, the next morning, Tuesday morning, hey, how's your body feeling? The coach wants you to come in today and just get some, you know, shots to the hands. You think you can do that? If not, no worries. Stay indoors, get the ice bath, get your body rested, and then we'll see you on Wednesday. So it's just having those open and transparent conversations with those goalkeepers uh, to understand where their psyche is, where their physical uh, side of the game is at. And then once we have that all into like a database, we can make a, ve- a much better educational decision. <laughs> by the way, by the way. Did I miss something or did somebody else we, just we, jump on? We, we get it, Omar. You know goalkeeping. We have a special <laughs> guest with us right now. What? Todd, Real Salt Lake goalkeeper coach Todd Hofford has just hopped on inside the 18 live wow. right now. We've been discussing uh, post-quarantine periodization, how to, how to get the programs together. And literally, as we're getting to this time in the rundown, I, Todd, Todd hops on the common thing. And I'm like, dude, do you want to just hop on? Because you literally, you guys are actually going through it right now. You guys are actually on the field right now uh, with the boys, aren't you? We are. It's difficult, uh, interesting times, you know, doing all this individual stuff uh, with all the protocols and everything. But uh, no, I, I love what you guys do. Every time I see you guys are on, I'm, I'm always trying to jump on, whether it's you guys or, you know, we're, we're all doing a lot of this kind of stuff. And, and I, I love every minute. So I love getting different perspectives. So when I saw you guys were on, I just got off another one, saw you guys were on and <laughs> sit here and listen. <laughs> that was fun. Didn't expect to be jumping on, but <laughs> <laughs> Darren's like Darren's like all of a sudden he's like he's like wait a second he's like wait I thought I was the guest on the show like what's going on here? <laughs> Todd's photo zoom bombing zoom bombing the show. Um, but Todd, since we do have you here, and uh, you know you obviously have a wealth of experience. If you guys are not familiar with Todd Hofford, um, one of the best you know goalkeeper coaches out there in in the game. Um, how are you guys going kind of about like the approach for the next three months, six months, a year? Do you guys kind of have it broken down that way? Or are you guys kind of taking it day by day? Yeah, I have no idea what's going to go on in the next, <laughs> well, next, next month, two months or, or let alone a year. So we're just literally going week by week at this point. So, you know, as of right now, our next, uh, our next session is the most important one. And we don't know what's going to happen after that. So you, you plan accordingly. Uh, we had our, we're only doing twice a week on the field because mm-hmm. it's a daunting task and we don't really have an endpoint. You know, I know there's some, you know, I'm not sure if what Kansas City's doing, uh, but I know there's some clubs out there and on like six days a week. And then I couldn't mm-hmm. imagine, you know. Six, but, but that's the whole point. If there's no endpoint, you don't know that, what are you going to do? Like, yeah. I was just talking about this with, you know, the SEC and stuff like that where, I brought that up where, okay, I'm in LA, so we're still not allowed to, even though they're allowing SEC teams back for some training in the middle of June, we're in LA, we're not allowed back. But where's the end point? Does that mean that, you know, Stanford's on the field six days a week, and that's, what, three months of preseason? 
Like, who, who that, wants that's to not, that? That's, not, that's also not fair to you guys either. How are you going to No, that's a whole other animal. That's a whole other animal because if, if we can't be on, nobody else should be able to be on. That's, in my opinion, to even out the score. But for what you're saying is, where's the end point? Like, we're just going to sit here and train six days a week and we don't know when season's starting again and we're going to run these guys into the ground and now halfway through whatever the shorter season's going to be, they're all burnt out. Yeah. Well, and from a goalkeeping standpoint, it's we, we can't serve a ball, you know. So putting together sessions where, you know, they've got a ball in their hands or it's a stationary ball on the floor or it's just a yeah. fitness type of, you know, and movement exercises. <laughs> from a psychological standpoint, you know, it's, it's one thing to put it together. But from a player standpoint, I mean, it's it, it, there's always so much you can do, you know. I and agree. And while you're like, I just want to catch a ball. I just want to compete. I want to be a, a normal athlete. So when you don't have an endpoint, psychologically, it's it's a tough beast. It, it really is. It's a tough one for the for the player um, to keep going through that every single day. And that's where I, I look at some teams that are doing six, and God bless them, they're doing it. But man, I think that would be a, t- a tough one on a week to week basis, especially knowing when you're not going to compete again. Yeah, yeah. that 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 would be that would be horrifying to me. I want to, I want to, I want to ask Darren right here, you know, because obviously you're working with the, with the youth program there at, at Kansas city, you know, and Todd's obviously got the, you know, the, the older guys. Um, is there a difference of a mindset? Because with the youth, it is all about development anyway. Uh, with Todd, it's about getting them ready. They're supposed to, the whole reason Todd works with them is to get them ready to win games. Like that was the whole point with you. It's about getting them ready to become professionals. If that's, that's their aspiration. Right. I mean, if we kind of go back to your your conversation of how does periodization look like after this, there isn't periodization. I think at the end of the day, you can sit and be like, hey, this is how I want to do it. I want to make sure that they're doing whatever, like handling progressions into and, and hitting certain topics. But as and it was the same thing. Like I've been working up with the, the USL team and these guys don't even know if they're going to have a season, you know? So how can you structure a session where it's like, I want to have a periodization where my goalkeepers at this point after this week and then next week we're branching onto a new topic. Like you, you, you can't do that. Um, and that's, I think where the, the challenge becomes as coaches is we're just having sessions to have sessions and keep guys fit. And at the end of the day, that's all we can do. We don't have, you know, if, if we had an idea of, Hey, in a month's time, we're going to be playing games then you can start to be like, hey, this is the point where we need to become one month. But when we don't have that idea, it's it's tough for us to, to even have like a periodization plan. And it's different, obviously, with Todd, like with the, the pro prog- program with the academy. But as you saw, like the academy started their own league. But in terms of what that schedule looks like, it's, it's the same thing. You know, you want to get the guys ready for when that competition starts. But we don't, we don't know when that is. But yeah, but, and, and I agree that – you can't just train to train, like, indefinitely. It doesn't work that way. Like, you know, yes, you can come in for preseason. You can get people to do fitness testing and everything, see where people are at. But there's always a point to it. There's always, like, how are we building to the start of the season? How are we building to that first game against so-and-so? And what are we looking at? And who are the teams we're playing against? And let's watch videos. And there's a, there's a method to all the madness. It's not just let's go out and practice every day. Um, it, you, can't, you can't do that. Like, there has to be a build-up, there has to be a tapering, there has to be everything. And if you're just blindly going in, hey, we're allowed to practice, but 
you know, I guess we're just going to train for a year and maybe play a game, even at a club level, even at an academy level. And no kid wants to do that either. You have to have competition. There's a point to playing soccer. It's not just going out on a field and training. But that, that's got to be in. This is like, for instance, Omar, like right now you're working with individuals, right? I'm working with, I've been winning, working with individuals during quarantine and obviously prior to quarantine. Um, they have to have specific individual goals. Otherwise, they're not going to, they're going to get complacent in regards to their training. They're going to get static. They're not, they're not going to move forward. They may, you know, they'll probably plateau um, because they don't want to push to that, that next level. So like, what do you say to them? to keep them motivated. And I know this has been a, a big topic of quarantine in general for all, all five of us here is what do we keep saying to our goalkeepers to keep them invested and connected um, and, and wanting to keep growing, you know, obviously Todd for for you, you know, they want to keep, you know, making a living. Um, that, that's the incentive. <laughs> that's the inse- incentive there. They, 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 they want to be able to buy that next car. <laughs> I'm sure there's more than that. Yeah. There's probably, probably more than that. Look, I just want to buy a next car. How about that? Omar, I'm throwing that to you, dude. Oh, uh, no, I think, uh, he's watching 2007 UEFA (laughs) super cup right now. Uh, no, but I think it's, it's, uh, it's important. Like I was, I was talking to, uh, Connor O'Keefe, who's a content creator on the goalkeeping side. And it's like, you know, essentially following his journey through the professional ranks. And he he's putting out constantly every week sessions of him, you know, Hey, this is what I've realized I'm not good at quick feet to a low ball. And if I have my dad or my brother or someone out there to throw me that ball after I complete the footwork, then I at least have a a goal, a substantive goal for that week that I'm trying to meet. So I think it's just those conversations to those goalkeepers of like, look, you need to tell me specifically after watching your own footage, reflecting on your, your games and your career thus far, what are certain things that you're not good at and you really want to try and uh, get better at? So whether that's crossing, can I, can you show me some clips, Mike, from, uh, from YouTube of, of crosses from a game that either your game or professional game, and at the same time, when we get into our sessions now where your, your mom or your dad are out there, have them throw some balls and let's work on your timing and patience and all the little things that we can try and uh, get better at so that once they're actually you know, in competitive environments again, all of those little technical and tactical points that they've you know, really honed in on are stuff that they can recall. And I think it's, 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 it's kind of simple, but at the same time too, it's just, we talked about earlier, finding out the kids that really want it and the ones who are just, just showing up to be there. And you need to get to the point where they have that buy-in and us as coaches, we need to obviously kind of give them that, 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 that little nudge, but at the same time too, it's being realistic with, yeah, there's, there's no end date to this, but in the meantime, what can we do with the time that we know we have? Yeah. You know, look, one thing is like, I've done probably, you know, close to 50 virtual private sessions during the quarantine because i'm a crazy person and apparently you know i enjoy doing that i'm the only yeah, human being you that know does. why i didn't tell them i was <laughs> in palm springs <laughs> <laughs> but um but the, the kids that reach out to do that kind of stuff you don't you don't need you don't need to you don't need to reach out to them because th- th- those are the kids that already have it in- internally it's more of when we come back to the field and, and todd obviously for you it's a different story because you know they, they're they're motivated by the fact that they're already professionals and and, and adults um but like for, for Darren and, and, and Saskin and Omar and I, you know, with working with the, the youth players, is it's the ones that didn't reach out that, you know, what they're, they're I don't want to say that they're going to be filling space for the, other, for the other kids or whatever, but it's not fair. It's not fair to all those kids that worked hard during the quarantine that now all of a sudden I got to spend six months getting these kids back on track because these other kids didn't, you know? I mean, I I, I'm just know, asking I, you guys. I, I, I don't necessarily think it's that it's that um 
black and white. Okay. Um, I think that, yes, there are kids that are like gung-ho, like, you know, let me train my soccer every day and do my goalkeeping and my footwork and do my technique up and let me do my wall work and blah, blah, blah. And there are other kids that I know that are, are training and running and are fit as heck, and, but are doing other things. And I'm fine with it. And I've told my kids that. I'm like, as long as you're doing something right now, look, like, I know you're getting some goalkeeping in. I know you're getting your wall work in and stuff like that. But if you're out there going surfing or if you're out there, sorry, I live in LA. If you're out there going surfing or if you're playing basketball or if you're, or if you're you know, going on a 50-mile bike ride or if you're doing something and that's clearing your head in this chaos and making you happy, happy enough so that you're not burning yourself out thinking the only way you can train is to do soccer, then I'm fine with it, okay? I'm fine with it. Yes, they might be a little bit behind timing-wise, but as long as you're fit and your mind's okay with me and you're clear, then I, I can work with that. Todd, Todd I want to ask you because uh, while, while you're here and we were just talking earlier about the Bundesliga and how the, the amount of injuries that they're having in, in the first couple of weeks of, of, of coming back, um, and obviously goalkeeping is, is, a contact, is a contact position. You know, there's going to be a lot of contact with, with goalkeeping. Um, is there any advice that you would give, you know, goalkeeper coaches in regards to starting to implement contact with their goalkeepers so that they're going to be safe about it? Well, I mean, I, I think first thing we got to think about is, are we given, are you given whatever region you're in or town or whatever, are you giving the okay to do that? You know, you know, even be around kids, you know, I know for my myself, I mean, I've been asked all the time, hey, can you, when are you going to get doing some private sessions or small groups or something? I keep telling them, like, look, until I'm given the green light to be able to do it at the MLS level, I'm not going to go out and work with your, your kid. Sorry, I'm not going to do it. I'm the same way. I'm the so same way. I, I just, you know, how, how can I say I'm going to go work with a 12-year-old kid at the park down the street when I can't do it with my goalkeepers at RSL? I mean, I, I, that's – to me, that's total mismessaging. So I think you've got to make sure you, you're able to do it first. Um, you know, integrating, you know, contact. You know, I, I think if you just got to go about it this, the the normal way you would train your goalkeepers. I don't think we're we. I'm I certainly when we start integrating into that small group and large group, I'm not going to do it any differently now than I would have say in the preseason where they're coming in. You know, that first week. So I don't think there's a, a, a special serum or a way to go about it now that's going to be any different, you know, than you would any other time when they're kind of getting themselves back in. Now, is that saying that you're going to go in and do a full fitness session or something the first session you've had them back? No, but you wouldn't do that in the preseason either. You're yeah. going to wean them kind of back in. So, you know, if you look at it, like whenever that is, we're, we're back into our, our normal training. If you look at that as, hey, this is the first session you're back, say from a summer break, that's the way you, you kind of implement it. So I would look at it just like that. Because in all honesty, I'm not sure how, you know, Darren or, or Saskia is going to look at it when they start getting back into their teams. But that's the way I'm approaching it. Uh, me too. You know, I'm approaching my first session is going to be like day one of preseason. Me too. I mean, uh, I would say uh, I, 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 I want to see where they're at. Like I've already said, like, you know – we're not like normal preseason is two weeks before we start, before you're starting the, you know, the NCAA season, you come in, everybody's doing a beat test or some kind of a fitness test and we're going hard from there. Do I think that that's the way it's going to be? No, I think we're going to have to really kind of navigate to see where everybody is. Cause we're not coming off spring season off for a month and a half or a month rolling into preseason. Do you know what I'm saying? So 
had we had our spring season, we kind of know where people are at. We know where we've left them off at. But now four months later, you know, that's all a wash. So I think there is going to be a little just seeing where they're at. But do I think my, my style or my – no. I think, you know, yeah, I'm going to handle it the same way. I think that's, that's a tough thing too because if, if there's – let's just say if there's certain protocols in place um, and then you're asking somebody to be a different coach than, than the person that they are, it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be very difficult. Um, I know for me personally, if I'm not myself, it's hard for me to coach. Um, because it doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel comfortable. You know, like if Omar doesn't have, you know, 17 different video breakdowns going on at his session, <laughs> it's hard for him to coach. Um, I want to talk about tactics really quickly. And, and Darren, um, we, we mentioned it a little bit earlier in regards to, you know, working with, working with the players and pattern play and all that sort of thing. Um, is there, is there a point in tactics when, when there is no, when there is no end result? Uh, right now like if the kids don't have a season you know is it better off just to work on just the goalkeepers just you know working on tech technical elements until until you can incorporate them with the with with the other players or what yeah I think I mean it goes back to the point that Todd makes your session shouldn't change too much in terms of what your preseason looks like under the parameters that we're given Um, if we can introduce tactical elements then of course why wouldn't we um, while still working on our, our technical bit beforehand. Um, but I, I mean, from my experiences with this, the decision for us, it's, it's made. Like there's, there's only so much we can do. Um, but I think one of the things that we can do, at least from like, for me, like an academy standpoint, like we've utilized this time to maybe do, do something that we maybe haven't looked at. Like with our U12s through 15s, we're, we're walking through and doing clips. Well, each each week we've we've had them sitting down with our pro guys as well. Like we might have a U12 with a 15, 17, and a pro guy, and then one week it's a classroom session where we've clipped positive and negative moments of cross taking and talking through that. Um, so maybe they're not necessarily seeing the tactical moments that they normally would in full training, but I think if we want to bridge that gap as coaches, there's still things that we can do. To, to help them along on the tactical sense. Um, yeah, like, watching, uh, like watching Omar's breakdowns. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that like as a, like as a, as a joke in regards to the fact. It's like, um, is that one thing I think that really has been great, Omar, in regards to during the quarantine is that a lot of these breakdowns that you've been able to present up there have been, I don't want to say that they've been, um, you know, in like in sep- in like instead of like what they're getting with their, with their club. But a lot of these kids out there, they haven't been getting that, that mental stimulation of, uh, of game speed of gameplay and, you know, different moments and all that sort of stuff. And, and by you putting that stuff up on your channel, you know, and you starting that discussion, I think that's really, really huge. So is that an advice that you give like goalkeeper coaches out there? Like maybe it's not necessarily their sessions, but maybe other people's sessions, like when they start getting out to the field and going like, hey, I know we haven't done this right now, but check this out right now. And I'm not just trying to plug your stuff, but I'm just saying in general, you know. Uh, yeah, I think as much, you know, video footage as you can show your goalkeepers and even watch yourself is, is extremely important. Um, like I told you, Mike, I was watching a game today and there were so many different points that I could make from a, a goalkeeper's perspective, but also from a coach's perspective. There was a game, 2009, Shakhtar versus, uh, I think it was Verda Bremen. 
the UEFA Cup final and I'm watching it and I'm thinking to myself, okay, the goalkeeper just dropped an easy free kick, kind of like a Tim Howard one against Porto. He just dropped it in the goal. They go to halftime. What is a goalkeeper coach asking the goalkeeper? Like, what is he saying to him? Like, what, what happened there? What kind of advice is he giving? So in my head, I'm already processing all this information from a coach's perspective, but also from a player's perspective. How is he going to bounce back? Is he going to be more timid the next the second half? So all these different things just from watching one clip. So I think, again, it's, it's, it's important to have those open conversations and stuff like that where you can have your goalkeepers uh, just feel like they have a buy-in to, to the sessions and um, to their, I guess, their own development. By the way, I, I want to know how many people outside of Shakhtar Donetsk supporters and Werder Bremen supporters have seen, <laughs> have seen this, this match. Uh, I mean, you, you go into the weeds, dude. You, you... <laughs> the, full, the full game, it was a three-hour game. It was 120 <laughs> minutes plus the halftime plus the everything. I watched the whole thing. I mean, it's, to me, it's, it's just fun. Honestly, like I, I, everything, this is, this is all I've done. This is all I did growing up is just watch all these games and just take like tactical – like monkey see, monkey do. Like I saw Schmeichel do some crazy stuff. I tried to do it, realized it wasn't for me, but I was, I was, I was able to just try new things because I saw it on TV. Not the Danish catch. I'll never do that. But I think that's, <laughs> but that's, and that's, that's the important part though. You got to be a student of the game, but you just got to be like addicted to it. Like you really need to watch it because like we talked about in a bunch of episodes recently, you see something on a 1v1 situation. And if I break it down, like I'm, I'm breaking it down for myself because I just love watching goalkeeping stuff. But if other people can gain information from it, like on a 1v1 situation, I, don't, I still don't understand why goalkeepers come out of their goal charging and fall to the ground when a little dink over their head is, is all the forward needs to do. Like, why do you do that? And then I show like a side-by-side clip of a goalkeeper coming out halfway, still slowing their body down, and then from there having a chance to actually make a save because they're set. So like you show those two clips, now a young goalkeeper will see that and go, oh, wow, when I actually step back onto the field, I'm probably not going to be the one rushing out. I'm going to come out halfway, set, and then make a reaction save. So just those visual cues and the, the mental recall that you can have in those moments. Man, I, I, I got to watch this game because it must be one of the greatest games of all time. Three hours? <laughs> Three Hold hours. On. Can I share my screen real quick? I no! have one. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> yes, you can share your, share no. your screen. Hold on. Sasuke, no, please. I, we almost got through it. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Kidding. One more. I promise. I promise. As long as it's not me on that screen. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this, is, this is why Darren and Todd showed up. <laughs> what do we got? What do we got? Okay. You are obviously a single guy. You have three hours to watch. <laughs> <laughs> the afternoon, what you got? If I, I know, that, I know. You're obviously <laughs> Can you see Mike? Yeah, I can see. Okay. So this is the this is what I'm talking about. Again, like all this all this stuff had to happen, but like his starting point is so so high that by the time the ball gets through, like he just comes out and just falls. So to what me it's was just this like shot on a flip phone? What was this thing? <laughs> it's old school. So like the referee almost gets hit with the ball. So I guess that is probably an issue, but it's ball comes all the way through. <laughs> Okay, from this, from this back angle too. So I'm watching this as a goalkeeper and I'm going, okay, I need to be checked in the entire time. Oh crap, okay, now I'm activated oh, and now I'm screwed. Look, he does there the limbo. No, he does the limbo. Was, oh, that's a limbo. There was no anticipation, two passes before it. He was out of position and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, all right, what do I do? I'm in no man's land. Let me just run at him. It was just and the thing is, the thing is, though, is like if I just watch this one clip, I'm like, OK, I can, you know, really be critical about it. But then I watch the whole game and his starting points are so advanced and he's such a uh, what's some, like, aggressive goalkeeper. So to me, this was no surprise. But it, now as a reminder, as a goalkeeper, if I'm watching this, I go, you know what? Maybe I should probably have in certain situations a high starting point because of, you know, uh, uh, 
the space in between my center backs and myself. But when there's not that much space to my center backs and myself, maybe I should have a little bit of a deeper starting position. So at least I can revert back to something versus being caught up here. And then the ball gets through like a whole crowd. Like, well, again, watch this one. It like he almost hits the referee. Look at oh, look at the ref. Look yeah, at the ref. He's like, but, but still look at his body language before that pass is even made. He's, he's like, so okay. yeah, exactly. Look at oh, he's so passive. Look how far the ball comes from, though. It's coming from, like, 50 yards away. So he's like, oh, I'm good. But then it misses the referee, misses two players, sneaks all the way through. And instead of, see, right there, I probably would have just dropped off. But he just is so aggressive on everything, not just this, everything. As the shot is coming in, some, uh, in certain situations, he's almost, like, running towards the forward and never getting set. I don't know yeah. if that's, like, a German thing. I don't know what it is. But I'm seeing that, and I'm just like, you know what? If I was a goalkeeper, I'm most Dutch. likely I'm, I'm Dutch, dropping. I'm Dutch, I'm Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Oh, but let me like, take oh, wait. oh, good Lord. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but more clips. No, I, I will also, I'm, I'm not crazy about his approach either. Look well, at his ankle. Okay. Look at his ankle. Look at his ankle. Oh, we're we'll watching. We're we'll watching. Well, he's totally on his. Oh, we can get, we can have a whole hour just on this clip. See, look at that, look at that angle. Such a sharp angle that he goes right at him. Right at him. Oh, Poor guy. See, that's, oh, he should have taken his I, touch here and then angled set. Yeah, but exactly. he's set he on his heels. This guy literally, he's, he's like, like yeah, I lasted never all- coming on your show. <laughs> he turned, he, I don't know if you guys know this, Tim Weiss turned into a, a freaking wrestler. He actually became a, a wrestler. He like, I don't know if he's on steroids, but he's buff as can be. And he, he like finished goalkeeping and became a wrestler. So that's, I, like I, I don't WWF, know. Like WWF? Yes, yes. hundred percent. I think he came to the U.S. and did it. It's crazy. Oh, oh my are you are. Are you single? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a girlfriend. I have a girlfriend. <laughs> She doesn't know this side of me, though. She does her own thing. I do my own thing. And then we. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't even I don't even know where to go. Go from there. Todd, aren't you glad that you hopped in on this on the Zoom call? Hey, this is great. This, but this is the banter that, that as a coach, as a player, this is what the banter you love. You know, this this is why you're involved in sports, you know, and you, you, at the end of the day, you can't take yourself or, or anything within the game too seriously. So that's that's the fun part. Uh, um, well, uh, while, while, while we still have you guys here before, uh, everybody literally just immediately clicks off this, uh, this zoom call as, as quickly as possible. And Omar's left with 17 other. Oh, there, oh, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> there he is. Oh I was telling God. you, dude, he's yoked. Wait, that's, so that's not, what I'm saying. Like that's hold on. It's not Photoshop. No, it's the same guy. It's the same guy. Tim Weiss. That's what I'm saying. Like you understand how he, how aggressive he is that he afterwards decided to become a wrestler. It's like, you like, you see that and you go, you know, this, this guy wanted contact, which probably influenced oh, the way he came out for certain things. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm it's interesting. Saying. Even Tony Miola's not that built. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I want to ask you guys here, uh, you know, Todd um, and, and Darren, um, are you guys, so you guys aren't doing any actual service where the goalkeeper coach is doing the service. It's all, uh, self-service that's going on at the sessions, right? So how, how do you build that session? How do you build that session? Just to, as a last thing kind of, of advice for any goalkeeper coaches who are going to be in that situation um, when, when they start getting on the field. Uh, you, you say it to me or to Darren? or both either, either one of you guys, yeah. Um, I mean, you I got all that, the fancy schmancy stuff, you know, at RSL. Yeah, I mean, with the, with the first team guys, I mean, we're, we're just basically working on a lot of movements. So I'm, I'm taking exercises that we've done in the past with service and we're just basically stripping out the service. So it might be, uh, you know, movements, you know, you're, you get to an angle, then you get across your goal, you know, where obviously we would have had some sort of form of service where now they're, we're just 
stripping down the service and we're just working on the, the specific movements across the goal. Um, or, you know, just a little bit of fitness, you know, a little bit of shuttle work, a little bit of, you know, we're trying to alternate it from uh, short footwork to longer footwork and to plyo. So, and we'll do a little bit of the short footwork and then the next session we'll do some longer and then the next session we'll do some plyo and we'll try to, you know, implement some, some different things with a ball, but certainly not everything's with a ball. Uh, you know, I, I know I get, I get bored with just doing, you know, some camp routines where you're just, you know, stationary ball, repetitive. And I know those guys, they get bored with that as well. So, and then every once in a while, you know, I know, you know, Saskia was talking about the competition side, you know, at the end of sessions, I'm trying to put, because we're, we, we, we operate in four quadrants. I'm sure you're probably doing the same thing, Darren, where you've got four people per goal, per, uh, per field, you know, so we're all in close proximity. So we're doing some sort of competition. It might be a shuttle run. It might be, you know, a quick little movement to pass a ball into a goal. So you're trying to bring some of those competitive juices out, you know, it's not going to be every exercise, but we're trying as best we can at some point to do something competitive. Because at the end of the day, that's as athletes, that's that's what we're programmed to do. We're yeah. programmed to compete. So, I mean, I'm curious to see what you know Darren's doing. You know, I'm per- sure it's probably something similar. But if he's doing something differently, I'd I'd love to be able to hear what he's doing, and maybe I can implement something like that. I don't know. Have you been, you've been to Sporting KC. You've seen Peter Vermes. is very secretive about everything that they do. Over there. <laughs> that's that's the one thing I'll say. Everything. Good enough, but um, I think I mean you hit it. You hit it on the the head with that. Like you can take your sessions that you normally would do, um, and obviously we might have more at our disposal with rebounders and and things like that. But you can take it where normally if you you know take your movement to an angle and normally receive a shot, maybe you're getting set and playing off the rebounder. I know it's not like the most ideal situation, but you can still take your training sessions um, and implement small little niches to them that they're still getting something out of it. And I actually really like the point that you made with competition. I mean, we're, we're even doing it with our, with our Academy guys um, on zoom calls, um, finding little ways to, to be competitive in a zoom call, um, whether it's, you know, we're doing things like, like juggling competitions or like, how many times can you hit the ground up and down like in a 30 second span where they're getting fitness in they're hitting the ground and then they're still like getting a competitive piece uh, in an ideal world that's not what we want to be doing but i think it is important that that there is a competition piece like we have so many sessions through the week with the, even our academy guys but throwing in a like we have a competition leaderboard where um maybe you're giving like two points for the the guy that has the best technical, like we're doing like technical footwork. Maybe we're the guy who does the best technical footwork on the day has two points. And then the guys get bought into that and they're still engaged and invested because it's like, Oh, I want to, you know, train well and, and do little things, whether they're doing like tactical calls and giving presentations to us doing like a artificial, like leaderboard. Like it's just little things to like keep the kids engaged. And yeah. I, I know in their positions, like, if I know I have to give a presentation and there's two other groups giving a presentation on a tactical follow-up cross-taking, like kids don't hundred, unless you have that intrinsic drive that we were talking about before, like it's not the most appealing thing. But if I know I'm competing against two other kids in the academy that are around my age group, it's like, I mean, I've seen these like U12 kids like throwing out PowerPoint presentations that I'm just like, but flipping film and I'm like, I don't want to know like how much your parents helped you with this, but like, <laughs> this is top quality stuff. trust me, they probably don't at all. 
and I tell you what, I'm, I'm I don't know about you guys, but I'm a I'm a big glass half full type of guy. Me too. You know, I'm always looking <laughs> for the silver lining, you know. And this is why I jumped on. I saw you guys were on. I jumped on. I want to watch because I love listening to like Darren, to Saskia, to Omar, all these different people that are. Not you, Mike. I, and I'm. I'm <laughs> <laughs> you know, He's those, like, you know? but there's so many <laughs> platforms to learn, you know, and get ideas. And at the end of the day, I think we're all in the same boat. We want to see American goalkeeping get back to where it was. Absolutely. You know, we produced for so many years on the men's and women's side, so many high-level goalkeepers, you know, and we've, we've hit a little bit of a lull, you know, there's, there's not a lot or as many, I should say, uh, in the men's and women's side that that pool's just not as deep as it once was. And for us to kind of all collaborate and get on calls and, and talk about what we're doing and how we're doing it and gain ideas. And I think it's, it's massive for, for American goalkeeping, you know, for us as goalkeeper coaches to help produce that next generation, you know, and getting on calls and seeing PowerPoint presentations and things like that. Uh, and seeing all these young kids get on, you know, and talk and be more students of the game. And it's not just about the X's and O's all the time or how clean you are with your technique, but are they really learning about the position? You know, and we joke about Omar about having, you know, watching all this stuff, but at the I end of the day, he's putting content, <laughs> content out there that these young kids are seeing and it might be putting questions in their, their brains and ideas in their brains. And that's going to help us, I think, to, to be a, a goalkeeping nation again. And I know... I don't want to speak for you guys, but I know I want to see American goalkeeping get back to where it once was, you know, and I think that starts from the top. That starts from our federation, and I think our federation can do a much better job with about the goalkeeping position and, and kind of the path we are. But I think it's also we need to take ownership as well as goalkeeper coaches to help you know, hit, hit the masses. And I think you guys are all doing a great job. And I know, I know I personally, I love every minute. And every time I see one of you guys or anybody else on doing one of these podcasts or Facebook lives or Instagrams, I'm watching because I want to see what other people are doing and gain ideas. So thank you very much for the content you guys are providing. I mean, Michael and, and Omar, you guys are leading, leading the charge here. And I think you guys uh, definitely need a round of applause, you know, on many, many different levels. So thanks for what you're doing. Oh thank boy. You. Thanks, man. I, I felt Memorial Day was Monday, but I, I feel like I, I thank you for your service. Uh, no, I mean honestly, all all of you guys. And and, and 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 look, I mean every everybody, guys, everybody, everybody's putting their part. You know, I mean, I, I've been fortunate enough to be able to, um, you know, uh, guest sit in on some of Saskia's sessions that you know she's been doing the Zoom calls with a uh, with her um with with her her youth players, and um, it's a. Uh, you know, look, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things where like we, if we're not sh leading by example, then if we're not leading by example, then when the kids get back out there, uh, they're not going to have, and, and we talked about the whole role models thing, but it's like, you know, you know, we practice what you preach, practice what you preach. If you're, if you're asking your kids to, to, to be on there and, and watching games and, you know, breaking things, stuff down, if you're not doing the same thing, you know, then... I think the best thing is, is what we have to look at and take from this uh, lockdown and everything is, I would have never met you guys. I mean, other than Omar and Michael, but I would have never met you guys. We wouldn't, uh, when? When would we have met? When would yep. we have been able to sit Palm here Springs. and have a <laughs> When would we have been able to sit here and have a conversation about this? And, and our goal, and to get 
our goalkeepers in this country back to where it once was is make back then our, our goalkeeper union, our community was so small and now it's all over the place, but this has been able to make it small again. Like uh, us being able to talk with Lodge and Mulkweed and you guys and, and, and so on and so forth. It just ties that all in. So now when kids in St. Louis and here and Jersey, wherever watch, they, they know we're all together and on the same page and it makes it small again. And if you guys have a question about a female goalkeeper, you can pick up the phone and call me where that wouldn't have happened before. Um, or a male goalkeeper. It doesn't, I don't know why I said female, just in general. So, like, I think bringing us all together through this is probably one of the best gifts to our position. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree completely. And just, you know, just the matter, like, even the and kids... thank you for you, your service. Even the, <laughs> even the, kids, even the kids that we've, we've met, you know, I've been fortunate to, to train kids around the country, um, you know, virtually. And, uh, you know, I never would have met them if, they, if, it, if it weren't for this situation, you know. Or maybe they, maybe they would have yeah. been fans of the show. But, you know, I, I probably never would have actually trained them unless I went to that city. And I think we're starting to recognize, too, how much we can all work with each other, regardless of any sort of, um, you know, f- uh, physical limitations, you know. So whether Todd's, you know, 3,000 miles away or whether he's, he's down the street, you know, we can find a way to incorporate Todd into what we're doing here. And Darren can find a way to incorporate Saskia into what she's, you know, what he's doing in Kansas yeah, City. Sure. And, and I think yeah. – that's what's going to make us get to back to that, that level. And Omar, <laughs> and, uh, and Omar, no, but, but, uh, all right, guys, it's a big love fest for yeah. the past hour and a half. Yeah, I'm I know. Here, I know. We, we, we got, we got, like, oh. Omar, I do have things to do. Hold on, hold on. Before we, Saskia, before we go, we did have a, que- we did have a question from a young lady on here. Yeah. It's this young lady. And she says she's five foot five already. And already? she would like to know what does she need to do in order to get to be five foot nine like Saskia? <laughs> that's not left that's not left on the thing there um i can do a lot of things i can't help you grow kiddo it's gonna happen i promise it's gonna happen one way or the other but eat i prom- help, eat healthy exercise um you'll get there i promise <laughs> look she she was brave enough to get on here and on I her mo- on, on, she got on her mom's facebook page and she said she asked the question herself if you so i had five, to answer five, and you're on, and you and you're young enough that you have to get on your mom's Facebook page. I have no doubt you're going to be fun <laughs> whatsoever. So just just keep training, kiddo, and it'll happen. Trust me, it'll happen. Cool. And, and and Marie Rios, thank you for uh, for letting your daughter come on uh come on your uh, Facebook page to do that. Um, I'll, I'll maybe we'll connect get you guys in the future, and you can you can actually uh, ask Saskia in person. Um, all right, guys. Uh, if anyone doesn't have anything else to do, that's all the time on. <laughs> Inside the 18. Remember, contact at insidethe18media.com if you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion or at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social media platforms. Uh, Darren, if anybody wants to reach out to Sporting KC or yourself, where's the best place for you? Uh, you can send me an email. Um, it's just dmcleod at sportingkc.com. I have social media as well. It's not hard to, to reach out to me. <laughs> kind of like you thought as well. I mean, you can you can tell the positive thing we're all students of the game so i i don't care where you are who you are if if you want to reach out i'm sure i can learn things from you guys and uh, vice versa so yeah positive to see things like that saskia needs to go but it's saskia underscore weber on all social medias five nine and growing five nine and growing. <laughs> todd do you want to plug your uh, your your virtual mentoring program before uh, before we go 
No, you just keep on doing what you're doing. You know, if somebody wants to reach out and find me, it's pretty easy. I'm the same like Darren. I mean, you go on Instagram and Facebook. I'm not very good at all that social media. But <laughs> hey, you got you're the, on here. Hey, you got, the, you got the branding though, dude. You got the hat on. I do, yeah. I like that. Everybody jokes it's, about it, but I like it. So. I think it's a sick logo, dude. I, <laughs> I, I like love it. I like it too. It's a nice logo. Speaking yeah. of logos, I think we're going to be launching our new one soon. Yes, we are. We're going to be Keep launching it probably in the next few yes. days. It's going to be pretty well, awesome. And Shout I apologize out to- for crashing this. I mean, I was, I was anticipating listening to you guys. So <laughs> no intention to actually get on. But so hopefully. Well, when you, have a, when you have a big-time MLS goalkeeper coach, just, just pop on right there and go, hey, guys, what's going on? I'm like, uh, do you want to come on? I love it. <laughs> I wanted to do the Zoom bomb. I've never done it before. Uh, Omar, you can reach him at uh, I, at 2007 UEFA Super Cup. Um, <laughs> Don't confuse them, Mike. Pro GK <laughs> Mike, leave the jokes to me. Pro GK Academy uh, <laughs> underscore. Omar, any, any cool clips coming up soon? Uh, I do have something next week, which I just thought we talked about it right now. The 2009 uh, UEFA Cup final. I actually watched, I tell you, I watched the whole thing, but I broke down every, more or less every time each goalkeeper touched the ball. So I'm actually going to do a Zoom call, which I'm going to try and invite as many players and coaches as I can and bring one coach and one player, my buddy Armando. I'm not sure who the coach is yet, but bring them on and then just do a breakdown from a coach's perspective of what they saw and from a player's perspective of what they saw and just have like an open discussion forum and then just have a chat. I think that's important to, to see trends throughout a whole game not just little highlights here and there love it oh. all right sorry i was distracted um, mer- um. <laughs> you lost mike <laughs> oh it's a very sweet very sweet message just came through i'll share it with you saskia later um all right guys that's all the time on inside the 18 we're out we've only been on for four hours later Get out of here!